For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Talk Recorded live. So, we've had some preseason football. We've had... What else happened? Uh, we, we, we didn't have a Hall of Fame game, but we did have a Hall of Fame induction. Uh, we've had lots of speculation. We've had, what else happened? Um, people are already starting to anoint superstars in the NFL. People are starting to throw around, and I guess myself, either foolishly or courageously or both, said that I thought that uh, one of the bounce-back players of the year would be Former OU now, Texas a quarterback Trevor Knight, who I think has a chance to end up at least as a Heisman Trophy finalist. I may seem like, like an absolute idiot if he falls on his face, but God, there's a lot of talent around him at Texas A&M. I mean, he had talent at OU, but this, this is ridiculous. Uh, we will have Isaiah Fee, who will give us his top 50 uh, defensive stalwarts going into this year in terms of prospects. And I've been joined by the one, the only, Jimetrix himself, James Jimmy Jam Coburn. How you doing, Jim? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to feel it. You know, <laughs> I can feel it coming. I can, I mean, the preseason's cool, and obviously I get excited to some extent just about the fact that any kind of football thing played. But we are now just less now, less than two weeks, I guess, really, depending on how the international dateline works, I guess, um, from the first. I, I, I last night I saw helmet hitting other helmets in the face. So, like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, we're back to this. Oh, okay. All right. You know, yeah. You know, it, it basically, preseason football, as much as people loathe preseason football. Well, you know, it's one of the things I think people like to say they dislike, but it doesn't stop them from watching it. No. I mean, it, but it's like anything else. It's like, you know, it's like the Tonight Show, right? You know, like, you'll probably watch, like, the first, the monologue, right? You know, and you, but after that, you might tune out. You know, preseason football is kind of like that. You don't watch the entire preseason game. You just come in, you see the monologue, and, you know, oh, that's kind of funny, and maybe you check out the first guest, you know, that comes on, but, you know, that's it, right? You're not going to see the second guest, because who cares about the second guest? And rarely do you even see the musical act, you know? So, it's you know, but but you still like to watch the monologue, and that's kind of what preseason is. You want to watch the first series where all the guys are there for the most part. Um, the coaches haven't decided to not play because they're scared, and that's you know, and you get a good feel for everything else like that. You, you get a sense of hey, football's almost here, and you know, yeah, there you go. You know. Yes, and I see we have been joined by Isaiah. So this is an exciting time. Um, like I said, people, as you just pointed out, I think it's more like a, almost like a badge of honor to say you don't like or you aren't into the preseason, but everyone I know watches and everyone I know talks about what they, like I said, what they saw and they 
begin grading players, you know, obviously too early, but talking about who impressed them and all the other jazz. So how are we doing, Isaiah? Doing all right. How about you? Oh, football's here, Isaiah. What what could be wrong? Uh, football's not here. This it may it may look like football. It sounds like football, but it's not football. Here's where I just have to disagree with you. Um, is it smooth? Is it is there a full game plan put in? No. But let's be honest. You're going to see football that looks like that. Even once they start counting the scores, I would like to remind you a couple of years ago of what, right after they first shortened the um, uh, the camps, cut down on the amount of, quote-unquote, uh, voluntary and things like that, uh, OTAs and all that good stuff, they brought it down to the current level two years ago in the CBA. Particularly offensive line gurus wailed, moaned, and gnashed their teeth. They rended their clothing talking about the horrendous offensive line play they saw early in that season. And a lot of it looked as bad or worse, worse because, you know, the defense was now running full game plans against these offensive lines that hadn't really gelled. Bad football. I mean, just as bad and because it's ungainly and because it looks, you know, unpolished, doesn't make enough football. A lot of football looks that way, Isaiah. You would love to see beautiful football all the time, but most football is not beautiful. I guess the best thing about preseason, you'll see guys that you normally won't see on Sunday, like the backups. Uh, you're going to see how much depth your team has. Right. I mean, that's the real difference is you see more guys play. You might see 70 guys get action. That never happens, obviously, unless the regular season rolls around. You won't see third and even occasionally fourth string players uh, ever in a, in a regular season game. Unless, once again, it's, you know, one of those things where they just have a real rash of injuries and three or four guys go down at the same position, which luckily rarely happens. But, you know, I can think of a few situations where, you know, a guy who was signed six days ago due to injuries now finds his way. Essentially a fourth stringer in that the three guys who were ahead of him on the depth chart in a, you know, two-week uh, span of all managed to get hurt. But generally, yes, you are correct. There are differences between preseason and regular season. The biggest difference, like I said, is what the coaching staff does not do. The coaching staff does not look at tendencies. The coaching staff does not put in a full game plan. Essentially, you're running the, quote-unquote, heart of your offense, you know, the simplest, the things you practice the most, the things that everybody knows, and it's, quote-unquote, generic. However, In some ways, that's more football in that you're seeing individual performances based more on the player's talent and ability than the coach's ability to scheme, which is why they do the same thing for the Senior Bowl and East-West Shrine and FLPA. They dumb it down. Why do they dumb it down? Because they don't want it to be a test of the coaching staff. They want to turn it into, hey, let's see what the players can do, Right? Do we lose Isaiah already? That would be a record. We lost him already. Isaiah? Well, either Isaiah's with us or he isn't. Oh, but... sorry about that. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Sure. Either way, it's a chance, as you said, for 
rookies particularly, who will more often than not get very little work once the season rolls around, except for a few, you know, impact rookies. But most rookies will play special teams. They'll take reps in practice, the rest, the older guys. They'll take lots of notes. They'll watch lots of tape. They'll lift lots of weights. They will see very little of the football field. That's the lot of most rookies. Hey, so, Bill, do you want to go over some of the guys that we saw play already? Well, we'll, we'll touch on them, and then we'll roll through the top 50 uh, defensive prospects, and then we'll rank our preseason top 25, which are always a source of hilarity later in the season. But, yes, uh, sure. Now there's some impact rookies that j- jumped out at you already? Well, they're not going to be impact players, but, well, I'm going to start with some quarterbacks that I saw. First off, Cody Kessler is, far from being ready. He pulled the DNR left. <laughs> Two safeties yesterday in the end zone. Uh, bad pocket present. Not, you didn't get to see him throw the ball too deep. And I guess it just shows a credit to the Browns' um, thin offensive line. I mean, there's not a lot of depth there, but still. Uh, he's not ready whatsoever. I mean, if you couldn't handle backups, then where is he at? Uh, some other guys I really liked was Jake Rudock. He played very well. Um, uh, Callahan from the Packers. Um, yes, a former member of my all underappreciated team, a Division Three standout from Wesley. Go ahead, yes. Uh, he didn't play too bad. Play well. Mm-hmm. Um, how can you talk about the draft if you don't talk about uh, some of their your first-round draft pick quarterback? Uh, Carson Wentz, he looked very, very raw. Right, of course. His third stringer. His footwork's a mess. Mechanics are awful, um, but he does show uh, some glimpses there. But I think he's probably better. His throwing motion's more like a Jake Lock. He's better to throw on the run. Um, those are some few takeaways with him. Um, we have not seen golf play yet. Uh, Connor Cook looked pretty good against third stringer. Yeah, well, Connor Cook, mm-hmm. I think, is in for a, a very solid career as a as a long term NFL backup. Who eventually will get a chance in, later in his career? Yeah, well, maybe somewhere, probably not Oakland, <laughs> but yes, perhaps on another team. I saw some glimpses from Rashad Higgins. He's been possible number three, number four wide receiver. I know he's not a rookie, but Terrell Pryor looked good. Terrell Pryor, well, his route running is still... Yeah. From a guy who's a conversion, but he still has a tendency to not quite run them at the right depth, not quite run them, you know, with the right distance from the 
hash mark, the right distance from the um, you know out of bounds line. He he had what would have been a touchdown on a fade route, but he ran it too wide and took himself out of bounds. So he's a tremendous, like everyone has known forever since he was at Jeanette, Pennsylvania in high school. He was a tremendous physical specimen. He was an unstoppable unstoppable pass rusher in high school. I mean, you could have turned him into almost anything. But he's not quite there yet. He'll probably make more plays this year than he ever has in his career because, you know, opportunities. <laughs> you know, he's going to have more chances now. But and Antonio Brown's not staying up at night worrying about Terrell Pryor yet. <laughs> um, Sammy Coates, I know he's had Look, a Just like Sammy Coates. He, yep. Sammy Coates it up. <laughs> well, he has a lot of people kept telling me, here. here's the year Sammy Coates breaks out. Dude, Darius Hayward Bay is closer Hay- to breaking out than Sammy Coates at this moment. Hayward Bay didn't pull the Hayward Bay. Sammy Coates pulled the Hayward Bay. I'll be honest. As bad as Hayward Bay was coming out, he was further yeah, along that's... than Sammy Coates in terms of, one, catching the ball semi-regularly. I mean, Sammy Coates fights the ball constantly. I'm not joking when I say this. I would have his vision tested. <laughs> um Moving to some other rookies, um, Taylor Decker struggled immensely. Yes. He, yeah, Taylor Decker, Taylor Decker made um, – remember, they weren't they – were, they we're not going to play James Harrison, but he found out Taylor Decker was going to be out there. He insisted on playing a series. <laughs> Anquan Bolden looked good. I know he's not a rookie. No, he's not. He's not a rookie. He's 37. But I know, I know like, but still – what looks just like Antoine cool. Bolden? What were, we, what were you expecting to see? He looks exactly like Antoine Bolden. A guy who hasn't been in camp for so long? Do you think Antoine uh, Bolden needs camp, Isaiah? I do. Really? Well, here's where you and I are going to part ways. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. He could show up right before they see the National Anthem of Game 1, go out there and look just like Antoine Bolden. Promise, I promise you. Um, some other rookies. Oh, um, what's his name? What's his first name? Washington. Um, the Raiders were named that. You mean Dwayne? No, you don't mean Dwayne Washington. Okay, you realize there's like 17 guys in the league named Washington, right? No, no, the Raiders were named that. They just drafted in the DeAndre Washington. Oh, DeAndre Washington. Okay. <laughs> he looked pretty good. They put him in between the tackles, but I think that's where he gets best. I know size doesn't show that, but he looks really good. Well, he looks, once again, just exactly like who he, he's a space player with a little more power than you might guess a 199-pound guy might have. But, yes, he looks like exactly what you saw him do in college. Uh, the Falcon linebacker new deal looks look good. Um, it's more of a faster group with Deion Jones and forgetting his other name already, but they've gone smaller and faster. They look like a Big Twelve linebacking core. Mm-hmm. But that's that's not necessarily a bad thing either. Well, it's not a bad thing until you face a team which probably there's only about four teams that really fall into this category, but a team that just decides to come downhill and run at you. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's not bad if you're Baylor. You know, if they're playing Baylor and stuff, but they're, they're playing NFL. <laughs> NFL team. I hope they know that. I'm, I'm just, I hope. 
I hope they know that. Dick Beasley, hope you hope you know that. There's only a handful of teams that will really hurt you, but those teams that really hurt you will really, really hurt you uh, if you have a bunch of 221-pound linebackers. Yannick Ngakwe out of Maryland. Yep, I'm a fan. He looked really explosive coming off the edge. Yes, just like he did in college. Yep. Um, I, to me, I don't think he's really going to hit that rookie wall all this year. I think he's just that darn good. Well, of course, everybody hits the rookie wall. That I don't. I mean, I say I don't care about it, but you just you sort of build that into your expectation. Mm-hmm. He'll have a really good first four games. I mean, look at what Bud Dupree looked like the first four games of the season. I was like, had my chest out. I was crowing. I was about to collect all those sweet, sweet bets I had about him leading the rookies in sacks. And then Wait, he who? hit the rookie Bud Dupree last year. He got, what, four oh. sacks in five games, if memory serves me correctly. And well, that then. You being a homer. And then, no, that wasn't just me being a homer. It was me being a Bud Dupree guy. <laughs> if you, I remember, I was a, if you don't remember, I was talking about Bud Dupree when he was a junior. But getting back to. You know, mm-hmm. the rookie wall thing. I was like, my chest out, I was thumping it like, woo! And then he hit the rookie wall hard and got passed up by the ancient James Harris for lead on, of her sacks on the team. So, in fact, I think he ended up third of her sacks on the team behind uh, Cam Hayward and uh, the, the ancient uh, James Harrison. But he is now, most rookies think they're in shape when they show up to camp. But they already did in NFL shape, and it's just a different thing. There's a handful of guys that show up in actual NFL shape, and the coaches point to them and say, wow, this guy's actually in NFL shape. He's not going to be, you know, unable to continue to play at a high level all year long. But that's not most. Most guys are in football shape, but not NFL shape. They aren't used to being up against guys who are as good or better than them week in and week out. Because in high school, these guys were legends. You know, they're, you know, they're millennial, once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-50-years, 25-years guys in high school. People hadn't seen anything like them. When I was in somebody saw by the Julio Jones in high school, right? Two, three times anywhere in America, it happens 20-something, every 20-something years, anywhere. But you get to college, and there's, like, guys like that every couple of years. And then you get to the NFL, and there's guys like that every year in the draft. So you have to ramp it up. I mean, this when people talk about, you know, speed of the game, blah, 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 that's part of what they're talking about. But mostly it's the speed of assimilation you have to do. You have to learn much more stuff, much faster, and they spend less individual time with you. People have it twisted. They think, oh, when you get to the NFL and all you have to do is play football all day long and you get better coaching. Yes and no. And there's more coaching, but the coaching is less skill specific. They can't teach you to play cornerback unless you're a guy who, like, never played before, you know, on practice squad or something. But, I mean, they don't have time for that. They're trying to, as Jim and I keep putting out, we're trying to beat Bill Belichick here. We don't have time to teach you to play your position. Um, some other guys that looked really good, Carl Massive and Manuel Ogba, I think that's going to be a really good duo for the Browns. Mm-hmm. Yep, agreed. Um. Another guy I wanted to see to play for the Ravens, but I found out he was out for the year, Bronson Kikusti. So that's a disappointment. But um, Kevin Dixon looked really... Uh, I don't want to say really good. I mean, he had like a few carries, but 
went through Jersey showed some more things than what the other Ravens running backs have. Solid NFL running back. He's exactly, once again, what you saw before, you're seeing, again, yeah, he's a solid NFL running back. He'll have a career where if he gets 20 carries a game, he'll give you 88 yards a game. Um, Paul Perkins, uh, he has a lot of work ahead of him. Um, sorry, I'm still going through my list. Um, oh, Keith Marshall. He looked terrible. I know he didn't. I guess that could be a test to the Ravens, I mean, not the Ravens, but the Redskins' offensive line depth. But he and um, Matt Jones could not get anywhere. There was no running game with them. I don't know if those two starters are just out, or they just have no depth. Well, let's not forget, these are also guys who, despite... People get excited about certain players. And I know Jim has said this many, many times. If a guy doesn't produce in college, where do people get this expectation in their heads that he's going to suddenly produce more at the NFL level? Does does it never happen? No, it doesn't never happen. It rarely happens that a guy suddenly becomes more productive at the NFL level. Yeah, I mean, at running back, we're talking about four guys in the last 40 years? <laughs> so one every 10 years like clockwork. Yeah, so maybe they could be that once-in-a-decade player, maybe. Never know. Both of them? <laughs> now, what are the odds against that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Keith Marshall is nothing. I mean, Keith Marshall is not a bad guy. It's just that nope. he has injuries, and he has just never been able to prove that he can tote the rock consistently, you know. Consistently, and right. Like, He's never been the man anywhere since high school. He could never go the distance. You know, he could make it to – to round six, and then he gets knocked out, you know, all the time, consistently. So, well, not even round six, like round three, knocked out. So, that that's his big issue. And Matt Jones is just Matt Jones. I mean, I, I don't know what else to tell you. Matt Jones is Matt Jones. He's, he's, very, he's a very big back. People get really excited about. There's nothing that, like, consistently great about him. He just happens to be a big nope. back. And if you like big backs, if that's your thing, but don't have any personality, that's cool. But, you know, I like my big backs to have a little bit more personality. That's the way to put it. He's a big back who's fairly high cut, who can build up speed if he's given enough chance to. If no one makes him change direction or touches him in the first three yards, he can, he can hurt you if you give him a big old hole and he gets ahead of steam. But that only happens a handful of times per game in the NFL, like three. Uh, anybody watch the Vikings Bengals game? Yep. Uh, how did Quan Treadwell look? Uh, in the interest of not trying to sound like I'm confirming that people got way too excited about Laquan Treadwell. It all depends on what your expectations were, quite frankly. If you think he's a future superstar ex-receiver, you're going to walk away not 
exactly impressed. If you mm-hmm. think he's a guy that if he's ever paired with another great elite receiver who can draw coverage away from him so that he can I – mean, frankly, he's a lot more like a guy like Anton Bolton than he is like a guy like Des Bryant. And mm-hmm. I, 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 too, was one of those people that early, very early on, like when I saw him as a freshman, was like, oh, you know. And maybe it's because he never came 100% back from a fairly gruesome leg injury. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Or maybe we all just got a little too excited when we saw him as a, as a freshman. But the guy I'm seeing now does not look like a future Des Bryant. He looks more like, like I said, like a – uh, maybe a slightly shiftier, slightly less built up, bulked up version of a guy like Antoine Bolton or a... Or Brian uh, <laughs> Right, like a bigger, stronger version of Brian Hartline. Hartline. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Brian Hartline. <laughs> um... Does Hunt still play at all? By who? Laramie Tunsil. Uh, Weeder, uh, you know. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who did. I don't know. <laughs> I don't recall. My guess is no. If so, I, I somehow didn't notice him. Which I think well, I would have. Well, anyways, Darren Lee looked <laughs> really, really good with that Jet starting group. Um, she had an explosion up the edge. Um, I'm still looking to see a, a second move from him. That's my big book of over, Darren Lee. Um, Michael Thomas looked okay. People are buying into this hype already. Hello. Mm-hmm. Anybody see Noah Spence play? Okay, see, see who? Anybody see Noah Spence play? I saw the game Lois Spence was in. Um, huh. uh, let's see. He, uh, no, he, he he had, I think, one play where he came in and sort of cleaned up after another player had uh, forced the QB sort of out of the pocket. I don't think he got even credit with the sack. I think the ball might have gotten out slightly more. But he got probably a pressure or hurry or whatever that is. I mean, he looks like Noah Spence. He doesn't look like a dominant pass rusher, but he looks like a, a complimentary pass rusher. He needs to play with a guy like... That, or you can have the mentality that, you know, you shouldn't have passed on him. It was horrible. Da, 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 type stuff. Yeah. No offense. He has the potential to be the next Trent Cole, but chances of that are really low. You know, but it's definitely there. The opportunity is there, at least. Right. The opportunity is there. And if he does get paired with me, he becomes, you know, 
like DeMarcus Ware or something is on the other side of him, he can become an Anthony Spencer-esque kind of player if he has somebody else, like I said, on the other side. So he just needs someone else. But he didn't look bad, you know. I'll, put that, I'll say that much. Well, I saw I saw uh, Beasley in person. I uh, was there at the game against Denver, and uh, he acquitted himself fairly well. He didn't do much as a pass rusher, but he actually, I would say, was a pleasant surprise against the run. Uh, made a couple of tackles for loss in the run game by running down plays from behind. But still, he struggles whenever there's somebody actually blocking him. Like, his, he's on his best when he's able to slip away or use his ability just to completely avoid being touched in this run. He does that fairly well. Harrison Lynch looked pretty decent. He shows he's got a top five arm in the NFL. Um, here's what I here's what I will say. He doesn't know what NFL Open is yet, though. I saw he has a, a couple of opportunities where if he'd known when and how to cut the ball loose, he probably would have had some some big plays down the field. The Bears' reserve secondary is not packed with playmakers. I'll put it that yeah, way. Yeah, so that's what's what disappointing. Couldn't make too many plays. Also, very, very thin defense. Yeah. Uh, Kevin White is not technically a rookie, but he did, you know, obviously nothing last year and did very little so far this year. The main excitement is that he's not hurt again. Um, I mean, I guess that's the best I can say about that is he's, at least he's healthy. Um, Uh oh. Carson Wentz just suffered a hairline fracture in his ribs. Well, I mean, that's not exactly hey. a crippling blow. No, it's not bad at all. I mean, you know, but do you want to see Sam Bradford or uh, Chase Daniel at all? I don't think so. But there's a so, better quarterback. So do you not want to win football games? If you want to win football games, then, yes, you want your better quarterbacks to play. Now, if you're trying to tank so you can get the first overall pick or something, well, I mean, it's not the NBA. Because that's the only reason you'd want Wentz to be your day one starter is if you're trying to go two and fourteen. I just can't see another Bradford check down. I'm against it. Well, you know, checkdowns are not evil. You know, checkdowns are something. You know, Johnny Manziel hit checkdowns more often. He'd be playing. Johnny checked in. Well, anyways, um, anybody uh, catch <laughs> anybody catch the uh, Panthers Ravens? Yes. I just got a quick question. Did anybody see was Chance West any good? People were kept raving Wait, about is, him. Is is who any good? Was Chance West? Did he look better this year? She can keep raving about Terrence West. I don't know why. I'm still struggling to understand who you're saying. What was the name? How did Terrence West look? Everybody's raving about him right now. I have no idea why. Oh, Terrence, Terrence Smith. Is that what you're saying? No, Terrence West. Last year's. Oh, West. Okay. 
at Towson? Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, wait, this is third year, right? He's yeah. He's a second-year player. He's a third-year player. Well, he looks yeah. he's, he looks exactly like himself. I mean, I'm, once again, if you liked him, you're going to continue to like him. I'm, I'm not sure exactly where we're going with this. He hasn't well, changed positively or negatively. He's still the same player. If you put him in the right kind of offense, the right situation, he'll give you 1,100 yards if he's your, day, if he's your, your main running back. Well, he looked awful in Tennessee. He was awful. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that on Ravens. him primarily, but yes. He was awful last year for the Ravens. He was awful for the Browns. So is he a better player now? I don't well, know. I, would, I think you're looking in the wrong direction here. You, well, how good were those teams you just named? Yes, the Browns had a slightly better line than those last two teams. But if you're a good player, you overcome that. No, if you're a great player, you overcome that. If you're a good player, you kind of float along with the river of bad around you. Good players don't overcome terrible players. Great players overcome terrible players. And that's the difference between good and great. I'm just saying, because people keep seeing he's more explosive now because he lost, like, 12 pounds or something. I just want to know if oh. he's more explosive at all. I mean, he might look more – I mean, if you lose weight, sure, you might look a little quicker, you know. But it could also just He's probably be, healthier also than he was the last time we saw him. He probably was a little banged up like most NFL winning guys are by the midway of most seasons. Yeah, and plus this is his third year, so he should, you know, be playing a little bit better, you know. Okay, before I run, I have guys talk about Keon O'Neal. I didn't pay attention much to Keon O'Neal when I watched this game. Did any of you guys see that he's still the same player you thought he was still? I know it's preseason, but... Uh, right. Well, thus far, I haven't seen anybody who's caused me to completely revise my opinion of them. I, like I said, I was slightly surprised pleasantly by how well Floyd looked in the run game, but still he was making those plays by avoiding being blocked as opposed to, you know, handling a blocker, which is still the big question I'm going to have about him until I see him actually defeat a block using was, his hands and leverage. Well, Leonard Floyd was basically playing like Vanderbilt's tackles that day. <laughs> um, Denver doesn't have ta- – I mean, I'm, the tackles I saw Floyd go up against, are not the tackles that I I don't think he's going to be seeing those guys every day. But yeah, he he definitely was showing the avoidance and the and that kind of stuff, but um I I that it isn't really a true test, I guess is all I'm trying right, to say. Right, right. So so of the the players, if you're looking for a player that I saw that made me really sort of re-examine them, it'd be players that, you know, guys that you have a name like undrafted free agents or guys that you know, some people thought you know, wouldn't even hang around a camp who are looking more and more like they might have a good chance to make a team. Not the high-drafted kids who, you know, people got maybe a little too excited about who look exactly like lost rookies usually tend to look in their first preseason game, with few exceptions. And I guess a few of them didn't look lost, but most of them do because they're rookies. That's, you know, <laughs> what, what you should expect. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Treadwell. You know, he had four receptions, could have had possibly six, and he was targeted, I think, six times, but 
One of them was a bad pass. Another one was one where I think he just looked for the ball too late. He had 41 yards and, you know, looked like a, like I said, possession-ish guy with a little bit of run-after-the-catch ability. Um, you know, Terrence West, uh, that's a sort of, like I said, sort of a weird thing to ask about. He's exactly who he is and was and will be. Uh, how did Harlan Miller look for the Cardinals? Hey, how did who look? Harlan Miller. Oh, Harlan Miller. Well, before yeah. you jump to him, um, DeAndre, um, sticking with the, the Bears from it, DeAndre Hall from Northern Iowa was around the ball. He looked instinctive, uh, very, very solid tackling. He looks a little bit more like a safety. He does like a corner, or maybe he could be, once again, a cover two, you know, corner where he doesn't have to turn and, and run a lot. Uh, he's another once again a high cut guy who's not exactly super quick twitch, but was solid in all, all other ways. Uh, didn't didn't look lost, didn't look hesitant, so I'd give him a check mark. Um, Miller didn't play a great deal, but he did nothing to distinguish himself and nothing to embarrass himself. Any others you wanted to touch on before we get into the, the top 50 prospects on defense in 2017's draft? No. Hey, excellent. Well, Isaiah, as our super special guest, uh, would you like to let us know who some of your top 50? I guess you can either go by position group, you can go bottom up, top down, however you like. But thus far, who are the, the guys that you think will be the, the top 50 uh, defensive well, let's prospects. start from the beginning, or you know, the, okay. the, be- the better guys, and just work our way up. So. That's fine with me. So who are the guys that you have circled or whatever, how does your process work, uh, highlighted, and, and why? Well, undoubtedly, the best player in college football, Miles Garrett. Okay. And I guess if you want to put a quarterback in with um with Deshaun Watson. Well, since we're doing defense only, um, Deshaun Watson could probably wait. Um, I'll just stick to this position group. Uh, I think Derek Barnett right now is gonna. He's not just going to have a monster season. He's going to probably be tied near Garrett with probably the most stacked in college. A really good player, um, possibly at Miles Garrett's level. Um, pretty deep. It's going to be a pretty deep class. Uh, you want to name a few guys? I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, I said I had Garrett and Barnett. Okay. Did you have a few guys you wanted to list? Oh, well, I mean, I, I, I would have several. Uh, but I was going to let you go first. So, yes, I mean, Barnett is an interesting project uh, to me. I mean, he has, he's been productive. He is a guy who has power, and there are questions. Some people think he's, you know, a little too stiff uh, to be able to translate to the next level. It'll be interesting to see what kind of year he has this year. Obviously, in the you know, and when compared to me, there's a huge drop off of those two. Certainly, I mean, in the case of 
one, you have a guy who's, you know, I don't want to say perfect, uh, but it's hard to find something not, there are things you can find not to like, but they're little things. It's sort of like complaining about the smoothness of the shifting of your GT50 Shelby Mustang and saying, you know, the shift linkage hangs up a little bit between third and fourth gear. I mean, you're, you're nitpicking basically with, with Barnett, you have some actual for real things that you can say need help or need work. I mean, that's the biggest difference in the two, obviously, is that one, you really have to, like, nitpick. The other one has some real stuff to work on. Yeah, but you, you would probably agree that they both sit atop of their position group. Um, well, one is one I would definitely agree with. I'm not quite as sold on, on Barnett, quite frankly. Jim, uh, agree, disagree? Sure. Well, which one? <laughs> Barnett. I, I mean, I, I like Barnett. I think that there's, but but the the biggest issue to me with Barnett um, is just there's this sort of. Hmm, oh, it's kind of hard to explain, but I mean, he's in many ways Barnett is like a Mario Edwards Jr. s kind of guy, but actually is productive, um, which is something Mario Edwards wasn't that much of. And also, he doesn't have a weight problem, too. That's another plus for Derek Barnett, you know, yeah, is, uh, right. not not having, you know, not being 20 pounds overweight. Um, although he could lose some weight. I mean, he's not, like, in the perfect shape. But that that's kind of the thing, is Barnett is a guy that, that's productive, doesn't quite look like the guy that you want. At the same time, Miles Garrett, he's productive. He is he is powerful and everything else like that. You just kind of hope he, you know, hits, you know, gets some more gains, bro. You know, it slaps on maybe another ten, twenty pounds of, you know, muscle. Um, to start to a certain extent, just because he's flirting with that sort of Randy Gregory weight, and I kind of want him a little beefier than that. You know. <laughs> But that's your that Sorry, would you put Carl Lawson ahead of them? Mm-mm. Call me when Carl Lawson actually plays an entire college. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were a fan of Carl Lawson. <laughs> no, Jim uh, has uh, been one of the people who's pointed out all along that Carl Lawson has thus far. We went with the whole discussion we had just a few minutes ago about about Keith Marshall not being able to finish the fight. That's that's the same thing with Lawson. I mean, Lawson, Lawson is a guy that has a lot of hype from high school. Um, he is somebody who flashes stuff here and there, um, but I don't think it's warranted. I don't think he's a guy that even on tape he shows really good athleticism, but doesn't show the highest of a football IQ. Um, and I'm I'm just not comfortable really hyping him as anything until I actually see him play an entire season, and and that's just that's just the way it is with me you know i just don't like to take chances on guys that can't finish the season out healthy okay i would like to throw a guy in there that i would like to put up at top with these top players tim williams out of alabama well thus far he's been you know a quote-unquote dpr designated pass rusher and he's they've been picking their spots with him it's like getting excited about a relief pitcher. 
who comes in, finishes the game, and throws 100 miles an hour and, you know, is averaging two strikeouts per inning and is just dominant. But you have to wonder, will that – if you suddenly turn that guy into a starter, a starting pitcher, we have to go seven innings, will he be the same kind of dominant player? That's the same question I have about Williams in Alabama is if he's playing twice his numbers, number of snaps, some people are just doing the math. They're like, well, he's done twice as much. Well, it doesn't always work that way. What say you, Jim? But Tim, I mean, Tim Williams has – Tim Williams actually reminds me of uh, – who was that – okay. Who was the pass rusher who played at Alabama? Uh, who was with him? <laughs> who was right, teammates? right, right, right. Uh, he was drafted by the Ravens. He was – Wait. Do you mean um, – not high five, but – um, Yeah, I'm sorry. Upshaw. Yeah, Upshaw. I get kind of like Williams to me kind of reminds me of like Upshaw, but probably a little bit more athletic than Upshaw was. Kind of the feeling I get with him. But he's another guy that that is too much of a part time pass rusher, not a full time pass rusher. Yeah, there's this natural assumption for whatever reason that every guy who's great as a part time player can just be plugged in as a full-time player and be just as great. And the past has proven that to be not true more often than it is true. Now, there are guys who manage to make that jump, and they become full-time players, and they're absolutely amazing. But I'm not penciling it in. I'll put it that way. I'm not assuming it will happen because I've seen it not happen often enough. I mean, I guess this is sort of a tie-up with these three guys. Um, Demarcus Walker, Devontae Fields, and Charles Harris. Okay. Uh, Fields obviously has had a an interesting career, and he's changed positions again, right? I believe he did. So it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to having a new role in the defense. But having seen him as the, you know, Big 12 defensive rookie of the year, see him get in trouble, reemerge last year, looking not quite like the guy he was initially at TCU, but looking good. I'm reserving judgment to some extent. I'm not penciling him into, you know, the first two rounds yet. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. What about Charles Harris and Demarcus Watson? Oh, okay. Uh, I was going to ask Jim's opinion about fields, and then I'll, I guess I'll answer what oh, you were saying. Sure. Go ahead. Oh, about Devontae Fields? Yes. Uh, I mean, yeah, actually, they have Devontae Fields as Will Linebacker? Yep, that is correct. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, again, Fields is a guy that had – a, a decent rookie season. Um, I know he was named. I know he was named Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year, but this is well, rookie of the year. He's the rookie of the rookie, year. Rookie, rookie of the year, sure. But eh, okay. Like, I, I think that's too much of what he's clinging on to. Is that it's just the fact that he was recognized for that, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, he's Big Twelve Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player. <laughs> 
Um, and yet there really hasn't been much else other than getting kicked out of school and, you know, everything else like that. Um, and he didn't look bad at Louisville, but he, but he looked like a, a sort of amalgamation or, uh, of, of all the pass rushers from Louisville, which are these sort of guys that have, they're about six foot three, 250 pounds, kind of undersized guys that kind of are sort of productive some of them are some of them aren't but they're just kind of you know the similar in terms of like what they try to accomplish like that nothing really special but just somebody who could be like a, a, a part-time pass rusher kind of guy uh, like alex elkafor and stuff like that if they're if they that's like the height of you know they're how good they could be is like alex elkafor so i mean here's that's, a, here- Here's a guy I've ranked higher than a couple of guys you've already named, Isaiah, and that's JT Jones. Um, I don't know if you've paid any attention to him at all, but without some of the bells and whistles and help that some of the guys you've named have had, he was a double-digit sack guy, and I think he's going to be a double-digit sack guy again this year, which I can't say about many of the guys you've named. I mean, probably two of them I feel probably will be double-digit sack guys. A bunch of those guys, I think, will be six and a half, seven sack guys, which is cool and everything, but I wouldn't have them quite that high. So, Charles Harris and Marcus Walker. Those are good players. Um, they're not guys I have in the top ten amongst pass rushers. I mean, I have guys like Marquis Haynes, who obviously – you know, some of the same questions we had about guys like Floyd because he's not the biggest kid in the world, obviously. Uh, you have to worry about – but some of these guys are just – I don't know what it is. These guys are smaller now than they used to be. Uh, there's, you know, they'd love to see a bunch of 265 to 275 pounders, and most of these guys are not that. Uh, the exception, you know, there's maybe two or three exceptions, but, uh, yeah, I agree. Walker is – He's probably my number three or four at the moment. Uh, I, he's, he, he I'm a little more sold on than Harris. Uh, Tim Williams is a guy that I'm sold on as a part-time guy. But like I said, as Jim sort of pointed out, I don't assume that when he gets more snaps, he's going to suddenly turn into a 20-sack 20, 20 guy. I mean, I think he'll still hang around the 10 or 11 or 9. I think he might go down a little bit. Like I said, 8.5-9 probably this year. Fields... I mean, who knows what it'll look like this year. He's playing Will Linebacker, but, you know, he's a guy that probably, in my book, is a third to fourth round draft pick who could elevate if he has a great season. But it's just sort of so strange to see this guy playing Will Linebacker. And, of course, to me, Jonathan Allen, once again, is another guy that's in that. I like him a little bit better than Williams simply because he's, I'm a little more sure of what he is. Williams, I think, will be a designated pass rusher at the next level as well. I think Allen has a chance to be a full-time, full-service football player. So he's another guy that is in that 3-4 range for me. And like I said, Harris is a good player. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not goo-goo-gaga over him exactly. Um, To me, it's Garrett and then a decent drop-off, in my mind at least. But I'll, I'll throw out one other guy that people don't talk about very much. And, you know, he's not in my top five amongst pass rush guys, but he's in my top ten, is Trey Hendrickson. Now, once again, the size, you know, concerns. He's not huge. He's probably not going to test like a freak, 
but I think he's a slightly better athlete than people might realize. So I have Trey Henderson ahead of your guy Harris, quite frankly. Uh, what say you, Jim, about uh, Walker and, and Harris? You know, Walker's okay. He's all right. Uh, Harris I like a little bit more because um, I think he has some interesting athletic qualities. Uh, and he also was a guy that was thinking about coming out last year, too, um, at least thinking about it and didn't do it, but thankfully. But yeah. um, but but he is somebody I think both of them actually both Walker and Harris which you guys were thinking about coming out last year I did it uh, but I I just think, I just like Harris a little bit more just because I think he's a little bit more explosive um, but I mean I mean they're good I mean they both have potential to be really good it's just yeah, if they do it this year or not that's that's a question. Any of you guys uh, sold on Neil Lewis? I'm sorry, what'd you say? Any of you guys sold on Neil Lewis? You said Neil Lewis? Yeah, LSU. Well, I don't want to start painting a bunch of LSU pass rushers with the same brush, but I'm going to, from now on and probably forever more, take a wait-and-see attitude on those guys. Um, when one of them shows me consistently can be a productive pass rusher, I will probably reopen the chapter. But, I mean, what would I be sold based on? Just in what he sold, what he showed you guys in the past. Okay. I mean, what he showed me in the past is that he's not exactly a super productive pass rusher. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's what I'm sold on at this point, is that he's not a super productive pass rusher. So unless something changes, that's exactly what I think he is, a not super productive pass rush. Jim, you have some guys on the list? I am still having a whale of a difficult time hearing or understand. I can hear you, but I'm having trouble understanding you. What was the last thing you said, Isaiah? Oh, I was just saying, Jim, if he has any guys he wants to put on the list. Oh, yes. So, Jim. Uh, who are some of the guys that you think are – I mean, obviously, we, we can sort of assume that Garrett is everybody's number one. Uh, who, are your, who are some of your other guys? Well, I mean, uh, I mean, I don't really have, like – basically what I'm saying is uh, it's not a ranking per se. It's just guys that sure. I, I like. Um, I Garrett is definitely a guy that I like. Barnett's the guy that I like. All the all the pass rushers we mentioned, I like. Um, I really like the defensive back group, um, mm-hmm. and cornerback and safety uh, guys like Jamal Adams at LSU. I think is yep. really good safety prospect. Uh, Vontae Maddox at Pittsburgh is a really good cornerback. Um, Rashard Faint at Indiana is another cornerback that I think doesn't get enough um, exposure. He plays in Indiana, but he he's a guy I think is mm-hmm. pretty decent. Um, Kevin Tolliver, obviously at LSU, is cornerback at LSU. That's also pretty good. Derwin James at, at Florida State at safety 
is someone that I'm really excited to see what he does in his uh, sophomore year. Uh, Desmond King at Iowa, <laughs> cornerback. You don't have to. You don't have to spell Bill on Disney. Yeah, uh, Jordan Lewis at Michigan, another cornerback that's pretty good. Um, Tyquan Lewis at Ohio State as a pass rusher is interesting. I mean, I'm not 100% sold on him, but uh, I do want to see what he does this year, and I think he's pretty decent. Um, Marquise Haynes is, again, another guy you mentioned. Uh, Lorenzo Carter at Georgia is the guy I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, Quinn Blanding. Safety, I'm I'm interested in. Dominique Sanders at Georgia is another safety. I want to see kind of what he does this year. Uh, Monte Nicholson, too, another safety. Michigan State Um, at linebacker, Zach Cunningham at Vanderbilt is the guy I like a lot. Uh, Anthony Walker at Northwestern is the linebacker that's been Pretty good since his freshman year. I mean, he's been really good. Uh, he's been one of their best players from yeah from the moment he hit the field. Yeah, and uh, let's see what else. Oh, and the last the last guy I mentioned. I mean, because you know Carl Laws there. Uh, you know, we already mentioned a lot of those guys. Um, but the last guy I mentioned that I know the NFL probably won't like him because of his the way his body type is and stuff like that. Um, but I kind of like Micah Kaiser a little bit, too, from Virginia, at linebacker. Um, I just think he's kind of a tough guy. Uh, I like him a little bit more than, like, Kendall Beckwith, because I know there's a lot of Kendall Beckwith people out there at LSU, and I just think he's kind of a generic thumper guy. He's um, one think... of the many Beckwiths that they've had there. Yeah. Gary and there's one I'm forgetting, but they all seem very similar, all the Beckwiths. Yeah, Kaiser, I mean, there's, I mean, you know, again, I, I know what I'm getting into with Kaiser. I mean, I know he's a guy that is not necessarily, you know, the the crazy athletic sort of linebacker guy, but I do think he, he's a smart guy, he's a tough guy, um, and I kind of like him in that sort of way. Um and there's probably a bunch of other guys. I mean, the Kansas cor- the cornerback at Kansas, um, which I forgot his name, but he's a guy that kind of stuck out to me a little bit. Um, but at least in terms of, like, guys that I really am excited about, those are all the guys that I mentioned. And, of course, a lot of the guys that we already talked about at pass rusher and stuff like that. But I really do think that, that this class of cornerbacks and safeties is going to be the strength to a certain extent. Um, I think pass rusher is probably going to be top-heavy. Defensive tackle might be a little sparse, too, unless people step up this year. Particularly the sort of one and zero types. There's some threes. There's some guys who might even turn into five techs on the next level, but it's hard to find. I mean, where are the Ted Washingtons? Where are the Sam Adams? Where are the Vince Wilforks? Where are the... Three hundred thirty pounders. They're not there. They're not there. Um, and and I actually, I think I don't know. I think I kind of know why everybody's. To a certain extent, I, I think the the fact that the game has become more and more into uh, the up temponess and everything else like that, that right. you end up actually 
losing muscle mass as a result, you know. So the reason everybody's getting smaller is because that's just as a result. When you do more conditioning and stuff like that, instead of burning fat, you're burning muscle. Um, right. Because just like, oh, oh, you know, we're doing a lot more than we used to, you know. So, uh, and also not getting enough to eat too bad. It's a totally different thing, but well, at least with some guys. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I just think in terms of this class, it's going to be really cornerback safety heavy. Uh, and, yeah, there's going to be pass rushes that people are going to be really cool and really excited about, but I don't think it's going to be um, as – and that's the thing, too. Every single year we get into this sort of thing of, like, oh, this pass rush class is terrible and uh, – um, and, and then it's a lot better than we expected or <laughs> right. if we think it's, or if we think it's really good. I mean, I remember, you know, last year's pass rush, pass rusher class where everybody's like, Oh, this is one of the best pass rush classes ever. And they got in the NFL and they were okay. You know, they weren't like incredible, but they were all right. You know, uh, so I, but I, I definitely think cornerback safety is probably going to be the strength and, uh, um, yeah, and then, you know, defensive end is going to be decent. Linebackers should be good-ish. But, yeah, I just feel really good about the cornerbacks and safeties going in more than yeah. everything else. You named a lot of guys that I like amongst that class. And I'll throw, I'll throw in some more. Now, Shawan Lurie is just a junior at uh, Northern Illinois, but he's fun to watch. Led the nation in interceptions and interception return yards, so he does things once he gets the ball in his hands. I really like Damian Barber, an undersized, just a sophomore, undersized little. I mean, I don't want to start comparing people to, you know, Tyron Matthew, but there are some similarities. I'll leave it at that. He's a, a little free safety, but a, a power-packed little free safety who had a great. I mean, he was the conference's uh, defensive freshman of the year, and deservedly so, uh, from Nevada. Jamar Summers, just a junior from UConn, is a guy I've had my own. I like him. Desmond King is my number one corner at the moment, and, you know, that might change, but it, it hasn't yet so far. A corner, two corners I really like, in fact. One is um, Latrell Gibbs from App State, Appalachian State, has a lot of qualities that excite people, and he had two touchdowns um, on interception returns. I think he might have been tied for the lead in the country in that respect. If he wasn't, he was darn close to the lead in the country on um, touchdowns off of interception returns. I think there's a bunch of people tied it too, though. But he was one of them. Uh, other guys to sort of keep an eye out on, eye out, on, eye out for, but I was trying to say, uh, of course, Alabama is, you know, always guys to watch out for. Eddie Jackson, probably one of the better guys in their secondary. Uh, watch out for Ty Nakua from BYU. He's a he's probably not a freak athlete. That's probably the one thing that maybe sort of will hold him down in some people's minds, but he's been a very effective player, a smart player. And I know no one likes to talk about tackling anymore, but He's one of the better tacklers. If that still is something people like to do, you know, I feel good about his ability to actually get people down if he has to get someone on the ground, which is something that used to really be important at one point in the history of this game. 
And that's something we rarely talk about when we talk about something. It used to be like, well, the first thing you talk about with defensive players, we're going to tackle they are. But, uh, you know, now I guess that's kind of passe. But Nakua's a big kid, um, 6'1 and 3'8 or so, and probably about 217 pounds. He got in some trouble a couple of years ago at the end of the Miami Beach Bowl. Some people might remember the rather ugly brawl that uh, some of the BYU, BYU players got into. He was one of the players that was suspended after that game. My understanding is after that, he's uh, really straightened up and been one of the team leaders and, you know, has not, you know, not let his emotions get the best of him since then. But he's a guy that I've had my arm for some time, and he's, you know, he's a guy that will definitely bring it as a tackler. Now, like I said, the one knock or question mark is just how good an athlete he is. And another guy that I feel I have to mention, and he's on my all-underappreciated team. I found him or discovered him or fell in love with him or whatever while I was watching Kevin Bayard. It's Jeremy Cotrera, also from MTSU. I don't know what they've gotten in the water there, but they have some secondary players there. And frankly, I wouldn't be shocked if he went in the first three rounds. He's got size, speed, hands. Once again, a pretty good tackler, good against the run, not afraid to come up and support. I've seen him defeat blocks on screens and make plays. I mean, I, I think he's one of the more complete defensive backs in the country. Oh, right. And before I forget, uh, another guy who's in my top three amongst uh, corners is DeMonte Casey from uh, San Diego State. Another tackler. Uh, I know I'm sounding, you know, a little too, I don't know, whatever. I still think that defensive backs should tackle. Maybe so they grew up a long time ago back in the, the old days, but it's still something I consider important. It's something I look for in the position. And non-tacklers, no matter whatever else they do, I just can't fully ever warm up to them. I'm sorry. I can never fully embrace non-tackling defense in that. I think Jim once called someone a pacifist, if memory serves it correctly. Uh, I can't ever quite warm up to those guys completely. Well, it, it's a complete ignoring of, I mean, all all great. It's, it's the most underrated and, and yet, uh, I don't even know what to say it is. It's, it's just the basicness of, of scouts where they're like, oh, I don't care about tackling it at cornerback. Um, <laughs> it's really important. Um, <sighs> and the best players at cornerback are tacklers, or at least adequate tacklers. So um, it's just kind of dumb to have this mentality of, oh, ball skills, ball skills, ball skills. Yeah, you can't tackle because tackles are just as much dead plays as, as you know, breaking up the football or getting interception is, you know. Um, in fact, I'd say it's a little almost more important to a certain extent, you know, to, to be a good tackler at cornerback. Um, but, hey, you know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. The Seahawks teams, they'll tell you. I mean, you know, yeah. the Seahawks. Yes, they will. 
you're like, oh, why are the Seahawks so good? Blah blah blah. You know, well, they have Rich Sherman. No, they 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 have a willingness to tackle people. You know, which at every level is, of their defense. At every level of their defense, they have people that are willing to tackle. You know, and willing to put in the work to do it. So, you know, they may not be the best guys in coverage. You know, but they sure will get you on the ground once they get you on the ground. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the interesting myths or misunderstandings of the Legion of Boom. They really aren't the greatest covering secondary in football. They're probably, you know, in the five, six range in terms of pure coverage ability. But in terms of tackling, they're probably in the top two, maybe number one. Because they get you on the ground. You're not going to have a yard play. You're not going to have a 60-yard play. You're not going to have some big play, you're going to have to earn everything. And when you have to earn everything, you start to get frustrated. When you start to get frustrated, you start throwing picks in your mind. It's That's just how they play, you know. And right. it's it's just an embracing of like, yeah, offenses are going to be methodical and run the ball up and down the field every – every. I mean, that's just the way it is. Offenses are going to, you know, they're going to go up and down the field because that's just the way the NFL is now. But we can slow you down, you know. And eventually you'll make a mistake because everybody makes a mistake, you know, eventually with that sort of, you know, playing style. So, yeah. But I I think I'm very glad you pointed that out because I think that's what people misunderstand about what makes that secondary great. They do have a couple of guys who can cover, don't get me wrong, but that's not what does it. I mean, there's probably, like I said, several other, defenses where you have better pure coverage ability. It's just that when they get their hands on you, you go down. That's yep. that's what makes them special. Uh, let me throw out a guy that most people will not have in their top 10, and some won't have in their top 20, but they probably should amongst the position grouping. A guy who I think is a top 10 corner, and maybe this will help to get the scouts' attention. He has a Georgia transfer, so maybe that will get help get some love to him. But he's the best corner in the Southland Conference, and that's Brendan Langley at Lamar. Good size, a little over six feet tall, about 191 pounds, can run, uh, good hands, and once again, good tackler. You know, he's not afraid to support in the, in the run game and, like I said, can, can bring you down, get you to the ground. He'll probably test fairly well. My guess would be 448, which is pretty good for a guy who's about – six feet and a quarter and about 191 pounds. Other guys who made my top 50 uh, amongst the uh, position grouping or just, I guess, at all. I'm trying to know if J.J. Whitaker is a... I think J.J. Whitaker still has eligibility. I probably remember. I can't remember if he redshirted or not. But yet another um, sending a state DB that caught my attention once again when I was originally there 
you know, studying. Um, no, yeah, he's, I think he's done, actually. I think he's done. Yeah, I sort of happened upon him. Well, yeah, so yeah, I think he's graduated now. But uh, I found him while, once again, just checking out Casey. I was like, oh, who's this other guy? Who's number seven? But uh, I wonder if he's in his camp. Because he's a guy that I think had two injury years. So I think he actually ended up, he might have been like a six-year guy or something. I know he had injury, a lot of injury issues. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely long gone. Cousin, yeah, he, he, but he's been on a long time. Uh, but yeah, other guys who I would toss into that discussion um, in the top 50 defensive prospects. Well, some of them are guys, like I said, that may not have been being drafted highly, or some of them, you know, might not have been drafted at all. But I really do like uh, Isaiah Golden. He's another, he and, um, oh, God, the kid at Tulane I was talking about a couple weeks ago. Um, tar, tar, um, uh, the, the tall D-tackle from Tulane. Um, I mean, Tanzel Smart. Smart, Tanzel Smart, yeah. Tanzel Smart, thank you. Uh, Tanzel Smart and Isaiah Golden are guys that are likely to end up being drafted probably later than they should be. Uh, one of them, one of whom, of course, is from Tulane. That almost always sort of brings you down. Uh, but the other one is a kid from uh, McNeese State, and he is a big kid. We talked about the the paucity of uh, of zero technique types. Isaiah Golden is that kid. He's six one and three quarters, about three hundred and twenty seven pounds. And I hope he gets to something like the Senior Bowl. Because I think there he would make a lot of open a lot of eyes. He moves fairly well for a kid that size. I see him run down. You know, I think he gets sacks where he had to run the quarterback down, like not just where he blows up through the middle and, and grabs a guy's ankles. But I've seen him run down quarterbacks who are reasonably athletic. Uh, you know, because the South Lamb Conference has some pretty good athletes at the quarterback position. You know, they aren't statues. You know, he had, I mean, I don't know how much, you know, once again, people get into hurries. He had 10 of those last year. So uh, not not a big deal to me, but some people like him. But mostly I just noticed, like I said, he was really mobile for a kid that size. And kids that size at all are harder and harder to come by. If you're looking for a small school cornerback who has a legitimate shot to be drafted, probably in the middle rounds at Mercyhurst, there's a kid named Tariq Ellis who has put up some really, really good tape. One of the best corners, I think, in all of D2, and he's playing in one of the better D2 conferences, and he consistently has made plays. Not huge, you know, five ten and a half, probably about 186 pounds, but plays bigger, has fairly long arms. Once again, a tackler. I mean, that's obviously something that matters to me at least. Uh, I've seen him consistently tackle people and, once again, get them on the ground. 
uh, get them on the ground before other things could happen, before they can do other stuff and turn, uh, you know, a smaller play into a big play. Uh, in terms of defensive line players, another small school kid, and I discovered him while checking out his teammate, Chanel Jenkins. He's just a junior, in fact. But Miles Humphrey from Shepard, he's a player. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if the loss of, of Chanel Jenkins, who obviously was a lot of teams' priority last year, if, if him moving on will, you know, bring things down for him. And another kid in the same conference, or at least they used to be in the same conference, uh, the WVA IAC, James King at Charleston, is another interesting uh, prospect. He's got some length. He's got some power. He could use more, once again, I mean, sort of broken record. He could get heavier. There's only a handful of guys on this list. Uh, I mentioned Doug A. Golden, but most of the guys on this list Garrett even uh, is a guy that you might want a little more weight on him, but most of these guys are a little undersized with a few exceptions. And it'll be interesting to see who can put on good weight and hold it, you know, not just hold it long enough to get to the combine, but who can legitimately put on good weight and keep it on. That will be an interesting question mark on some of these guys as well to see what size they can really be. Because there's a fair number of you know, guys who are probably in the 240-something, 260-something pound range, which is good enough uh, to play some of these D-line positions okay. nowadays. But All right. It's it's iffy, to say the least. Iffy. Yes, it's iffy. That's, I mean, that's a good way to put it. Offensive linemen are not – I mean, they're still 300 pounds, 320 pounds. You know, right. They're still there. Joe Staley's still in the NFL. You know, Joe Staley right. isn't lining up at 270. No. You know? So, you know, if you're if you're in that <laughs> no, you're not. 245 pounds and you're six foot five and that sort of thing, if you're a Randy Gregory right now, you need to eat a lot more food than what you're doing right now <laughs> because that's really yeah. all it comes down to. You got to eat more food, you know, and and just focus on your recovery and everything else like that, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I understand why Miles Garrett is the weight that he's at. I, I get it. He's playing at Texas A&M. They probably run 100 plays every every day. You know, I'm just exaggerating, but maybe. Who knows? They might run 100 plays. It's not much of an exaggeration. I mean, they run a lot of plays. So, you know, it might be a thing where he's just that weight because it just is what it is, you know, and he's already eating a lot. Obviously, because he's Miles Garrett. Well, Miles Garrett, eat even more. You know, get a little, <laughs> get a little stop, get a little thing on your phone. Like every hour, eat something. You know, just do that. Or maybe he's already doing that. You know, because <laughs> I gotta say, a lot of these guys. I mean, it's like Jared Goff. You know, Jared Goff. You know, you go, oh, Jared Goff's so small and stuff like that. And yet, <laughs> it's funny because he actually has pictures. Of every single meal he has, he just sends it to his, his conditioning guys because they're like, hey, we want you eating all the time. J- Jerry Goff eats a ton of food, and he's still that weight. So yeah. I can understand Miles Garrett is struggling a bit, but, it, it, again, you just have to fix it. I don't know what else to tell you, Miles Garrett. I start eating more food. <laughs> you know, you need to hire somebody to just put food in your mouth all day. 
Oh, uh, there's an interesting career path. Personal feeder. There you go. <laughs> hey, they already have the assistant, assistant's assistant guy thing, you know, quality control assistant operational manager, right, you know, at some of these colleges. You might as well just have a professional feeder. There you go. <laughs> Your job is to that would be people. That would be fascinating. But, I mean, the truth is that we are – at a place, you pointed this out, where a combination of super up-tempo offenses, even the running games are not, with a few exceptions, they're not based on power. Most of the team, I mean, when Baylor's gashing, I mean, we saw Gaylor, Baylor rush for, what, 350 yards in a bowl game or whatever it was, some crazy number of yards in a bowl game. But it wasn't based on blowing people off the ball. Uh, it was a war of movement in the war of position. Uh, they were consistently getting guys out of position and then a lot of fear of misdirection and, you know, just the fact that you're spread out. I mean, you're, you've got nickel or dime packages on the field 60% of the time. And so when they do run the ball at you, as you pointed out, your O-linemen are still 290, 300, 310, 320 pounds. When they're blocking guys that weigh by 70 to 100 pounds, they win. Pretty much, you know. I mean, when you're when you're a guy who's undersized, you have to be really good with your hands. And I'm not talking like decent with your hands. I'm talking ninja level with your hands, you know, because it just is what it is. Because if a guy's bigger than you, gets his hands on you, you know, if you get reach reach blocked, and the guy has fifty pounds on you, you're you're gone. You know, you're going <laughs> right. to the dimension. You know, and right. It's something where, like, guys are like Leonard Floyd and, you know, all these other guys like Randy Gregory and stuff like that. I mean, it, it's, eh. you know, I, I, I'm I just saying, like, to me, people go, oh, that's the new age pass rusher. And yet we still have guys in the NFL who are that, you know, they are that way. There's still guys that are 270 pounds. I don't think it's the new age pass rusher as much as these guys just aren't getting to the right size because of different things, you know, whether it's nutrition, whether it's just the fact that they play at a school that has a certain type of, you know, reg, you know, workout regimen that they just don't realize is causing this problem, you know. I mean, it's a combination of things, you know. And the, But the issue is, is that, again, when you go to the NFL, a tempo is not it, – it's just – it just makes it – it's a different world, you know. Like, it's not – you're not playing Baylor – anymore. You're playing a different team. You're playing a team that's a little bit more sophisticated in terms of what it wants to do. Um, and you have to be able to adapt to those situations. And I just think the guy that's 270 pounds is going to be a lot better adapting to that situation than the guy that's 240 pounds. That, right. You know, yeah, that's just me. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, I, like I said, I agree that there's there comes a point where the Sheer, I mean, math works against you when you encounter it, particularly when you keep encountering it over and over again. At some point, the greater mass, the object with greater mass, when it keeps meeting you, at some point, something breaks, <laughs> I think is what, what it comes down to. There is a rupture. There is a, a fault exposed at some point 
when the thing with greater mass keeps meeting with the smaller object, at some point there is a problem, and the smaller object either has to just get away, which sometimes happens. They'll just move or dodge or what have you, or eventually it gets overwhelmed. Yep, which Stalin has a model Garrett, you know. I understand again. I understand you're in a situation where you're you're on a team that runs up tempo, you know, offense. I get that, but you play LSU. You know, like that's the, that's another team you play. Like you don't play Texas A&M, Texas A&M every week. You play LSU, and oftentimes you play LSU in a game that matters. That's important. You know, yes, it means yes, you do. <laughs> And when you get into those situations, it's it it doesn't work out for you. It's it's like with Michael, you know, with Michael Orr, and you know, in terms of the Panthers tackles, these are guys that yeah, they work in certain situations. But when you get into a game that means something, you got Von Miller on one side, the Marcus Ware on the other side, and you're in a game <laughs> that actually means something that's important, and you can't finish it out that's a flaw in the plan, you know, like that's a problem that you gotta, you gotta rectify, you know, you gotta fix it, you know, like you're trying to, you're, you're trying to fit to a certain environment or you're, or you're like, I'm, I'm, again, all I'm trying to say, again, it's very hard to do this. Again, I'm not saying like, oh, this is just an easy thing to do. But what I am saying is that it is, it is hard to stay 270 pounds when you're playing on a team with an offense that's that up tempo. But it won't hurt to try a little bit harder and work a little bit harder and put a little bit more time in terms of, you know, your management of keeping your weight at where it is because you'll see benefits. When you get into that LSU game, you won't be as overpowered anymore, you know, because you'll have that power. Um, It's going to be really hard to do that. I know. I understand. But it's just something that you have to do because – I love Miles Garrett to death. I can't get the the thing out of my mind when Lyle Collins just completely destroyed Miles Garrett. And keep in mind, Lyle Collins is a really good offensive lineman. I I understand that completely. But the size was an issue in that game. And it was. The size is an issue in a game like that. Miles Garrett's going to come in the NFL. And it's an issue that is solvable, I guess, is all I'm trying to say. Like, it's an issue he can solve. Just by again eating more and, and putting a little bit more time in terms of keeping the mass on, you know. But you right. know, well, I mean, there's guys that have done it. You know, Clowney did it. Now, of course, Clowney had health problems, but again, Miles Garrett, of course, doesn't really have the same. You know, Clowney's had bone spurs since he was in high school. Miles Garrett, I haven't. I don't know. He's had bone spurs or not? I don't believe so. I've never heard. No, I haven't heard of him having any sort of serious injury ever, as far as I know. Yeah, but again, that's my only concern. The only thing I really like about Miles Garrett is he's been really productive despite the fact that he has that size of disadvantage, you know, which is which is really good. Um, but it, it is something that I, I just want to see. I, I just want him to be at that 265. 270 weight when he gets in the NFL, at least at the combine, you know, at least at the combine. I understand the college season is going to be, you know, a certain thing where it's going to be hard to do, but at least get up to there, you know. And I don't think it's fakery either because 
you know, we've seen with guys like Randy Gregory where at the combine he showed up at 235. Before that, he was like 220, you know, um, which is right. kind of scary when you think about it, that, that a guy was playing college football. Yeah. At the guy was 218 pounds at one point in the year where he's going to be in the NFL draft as a defensive end slash outside linebacker. So, yes, there's reason to be concerned. <laughs> yeah, but but we'll see. I mean, it, it's it's just a thing that, you know, will either adapt or not, you know, or you won't adapt to it. Um, I just think that you have situations where Alabama – it's a funny thing about Alabama is that, you know, they're so against up tempo, and, yeah, they've had trouble against them, but they also have advantages against these up tempo teams as well that I think Nick Saban knows all too well, too. Yep. You know. Because he he still goes after two hundred and fifty five pound linebackers. <laughs> he still likes keep, his linebackers. Doing, that I good. mean, Nick Saban's gonna keep doing what he's doing. I mean, he's gonna keep getting the prototypes and the the tip of the size the size that he wants. He's gonna keep doing that. And you know, sure, he's gonna have games where you catch him off guard and you out coach him to a certain extent. But it's not gonna happen often. It's not gonna happen, you know, consistently. No. <laughs> No, you won't make a living doing that. You, you can if you have everything else go right for you one season, and you manage to do that and catch him, it can help you to go undefeated. Which is, you know, you better pick pick right, pick the right year. Don't pick a year where you're going to go nine and two, otherwise, and then beat Saban and then be ten and two, and it's cool and everything. But you wasted you your beating Saban. Yeah, you wasted it. You, just, you can't do it twice in the same year. That's just that's not going to happen. Yeah, same thing with Belichick. You know, you can catch Belichick off guard once, but not twice. I want to mention one other FCS defensive back corner who I think has NFL ability, but he's just a redshirt sophomore. He's on my all-emerging team, and he's a tall, lanky, you know, people bring up the whole Seattle playing thing. He's about 6'2 and a half, about 178 pounds, and he'll fill out hopefully. But Chris Turner at Liberty, uh, already people who have seen him probably remember, remember him from last year. He had a he had an interception against Coastal Carolina that actually made the Sports Center top 10 list. He has body control, leaping ability, length, uh, strong hands, and he's stronger than a any kid should be. He's got room on his train to put on 15, maybe even 20 more pounds without losing anything, and I hope he will do so. If he gets up close to 200 pounds and still moves like that, he will be drafted uh, just based on that alone, but he also has some really good tape, and he was just a redshirt freshman last year. I'm expecting him to keep getting better. He had four picks last year. I think he might get six or seven this year. You know, so he's a guy that I'm expecting to be one of the – he might be even an FCS uh, All-American this year. It's not, it's not he'll be close to it. Did we lose Isaiah or do you still have Isaiah? We lost Isaiah. Fine. Then uh, – Moving towards now the season is essentially just around the corner. 
are there any teams that you think will be surprising in terms of being in the top 25 that people don't normally think of as being in the top 25? And then I guess I'll ask the same question going to the direction teams that people are used to seeing there that might not make it this year. Huh. Hmm. Well, I mean, with my 25, I think the, the, the weird ones are West Virginia and Arkansas? Yeah, Arkansas was sort of a sexy dark horse pick a couple of years ago, and then people cooled on them after that. But Yeah, Arkansas, Penn State, and West Virginia – are kind of my top 25. They're the weird ones in the in the top 25. The rest, from everything I've read, are pretty much – now, of course, I have certain teams higher than other ones and, you know, stuff like that, but for the most part, it's pretty even in terms of everybody else's, I guess. The only weird ones is, is West Virginia, um, Arkansas, and Penn State. Yeah. Main reason why is because Arkansas. I really like Arkansas as a team. Um, I like their defense. I like their offense. I think they do hit us. They do struggle a bit. I know. I mean, it's been a struggle to really, but they've gotten better every year. That's the thing. Every they have gotten they, better every year. They are yet another SEC team as you know, quote unquote, a quarterback away. But we'll see uh, yeah. what happens. They now have. If you loved Brandon Allen, and I don't know who you might be if you did, but you'll apparently be even more in love with his younger brother, Austin Allen, who is apparently Brandon Allen, but slightly more athletic, apparently. Hey, hey, there you go. So that might that little bit of that right there might be a, that might be the the, the, the the ticket right there, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So, I, you know, I could be wrong, but I dang sure ain't going to you can't get Tennessee above them, so uh, I just can't. I, I know I, I just can't buy the Volunteers, you know, yet. So I have yeah. seen a couple of people put them in the Final Four I know. national championship playoffs. I know, <laughs> I know but I just don't. I, I'm not. I just no, no. I mean, no. There's, I'll there's, admit there's, it. I'm there. I'm there. I'm with you. I I just can't. I I don't think they're the best team in the SEC East. I think they're the second best team in the SEC East, possibly third, but. I uh, right now I have them at number two, but it's a soft number two. To be perfectly honest, right. I. I mean, they're kind of yeah. I mean, they're kind of there. Uh, Penn State, I think, is there because this is the thing about Penn State, and this is more so with just me wanting them to be good. Um, is I think that James Franklin got a lot of crap with Christian Hackenberg. Yes, yes got he did. A lot of, stuff thrown at him and insults. And he took the next Tom Brady and he ruined him. And even racially motivated. Yes. There was some of that. Uh, and I just think you got you got you got Barkley there, um, really good running back. Like probably another guy that we'll be talking about probably soon in the future yes. as a you know guy. Very very soon. I think that this is a team that uh, had to deal with Christian Hackenberg for a while. I don't think he was a very good quarterback, um, which is just from the tape. It's not even like it's just there. <laughs> I think with a new with a new quarterback uh, that I think will be better. 
uh, at least not pe- turn the ball over as much. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is better. By definition, it, that is better. Even if you better. don't do anything else much different, if you don't turn the ball over, that by its very definition is better. You're going to win a lot more football games if you don't turn the football over. It's statistically proven. So because of that, because of Barkley, because of the fact that this is a team that I think I think it's ready to start, you know, I think they're ready to, to – again, I don't think they're going to be like a top ten – team or anything else sure. like that, but I think in terms You're of... You're talking about like number 23 or something. Right, right, right. I think that they'll do enough to be a winning football team and get back into contention, and I think a lot of people uh, will go, wow, I think we were wrong about James Franklin. You know, just all he needed to do was get that Christian Hackenberg out of there and everything started to, <laughs> to be better, you know. Uh, and frankly, I think he wanted to bench Hackenberg, but, you know, the lynch mob would have come after him. I mean, I, I can understand why he'd hesitate. He, I would like to remind people that this guy was winning eight games in the SEC with Austin Carter Samuel. Come on. I, know. <laughs> I mean, he can find a guy to do it. Um, and I think that that, I think that's what's, I, I don't know, I just think that's what's going to happen. Um, I, I hope, at least. I hope. Because I think Franklin's a really good coach. I don't think this – because all the hatred of Franklin as a bad coach is just based on one thing, is that, you know, is that Hackenberg is bad. <laughs> right. And somehow that was his fault is the other half of it. Yeah. Not only was exactly. Hackenberg bad, which normally people don't blame on the coach unless they've decided somehow it's the coach's fault, which is what was decided somehow in this case. I know. Everybody does that. But, I, I, yeah, I just think it's one of those types of things. Um, West Virginia is in the top 25 because I I just I think the quarterback situation there again I'm not the biggest Skylar Howard fan in the world. Um, I mean I know I mentioned him to you last year and I spoke a little too soon. Well, here's what it is: he and Dane Evans are interesting to me in that they both do a couple of things extremely well. But they don't do everything extremely well. But if they get into right. games where the things they do well are highlighted, they will go for 450 yards on you. They'll, they'll be 39 of 50 for 450, and you'll be like, wow. Oh, yeah. You know, so I think that that's I, – I just think West Virginia is going to do a lot better this year. I, I just think in terms of their offense, there's a lot of exciting things there. Um, I don't again another team. I don't think is going to be like top ten or anything else like that. But I think they'll be a lot higher in the Big Twelve than what they were last year. Uh, and then the last team is kind of iffy, but Indiana um, to a certain extent. I just really like what Indiana does offensively. Um, defensively is kind of a mess usually, but um, I think that there's a, there's a chance there that they could improve a bit. Not likely, but I think there's a, there's a team that, that is going to do a little bit better um, than uh, than usual. And Texas A&M is also in my top 25. And I know there was a lot of people yes. that didn't have Look, Texas A&M, don't, don't need to apologize. They're in my top 10, dude. I think they're going to have a great year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get it's. If you understand, like basically, it's like to me at least, if you understand the issues that Texas A&M had last year, 
um, in terms of quarterbacks that kind of didn't even want to play football there, um, which is evident because they all left. Uh, and then you have yes. the defensive sort of issues in terms of, you know, size and not stuff in the run, everything else like that. Everything else like that. Uh, this could be a year where things improve enough that, you know, they actually start to get into that 25, or even top 10. But, you know, I'm more in the 20s and 17 area right now. But I, I, I don't know. I just noticed that Tech Dan wasn't in the top 25, and I'm like, whoa, what, what? Yeah. So this is more so on talent, too. But um, I just think in terms of talent, they got to be in the top 25, you know, in terms of – Yeah, I – I, I could end up looking like an absolute idiot, but I think they're going to be right there in the fight with Oklahoma for the conference title. I I don't think – I think that last year was an anomaly, to be perfectly honest. I don't think that was a normal Texas A&M year in a bunch of ways. I I think that people have forgotten how good a coach Coach Sumlin is. And once again, you mentioned a racial component. I hope that's not the case, but the, the turning on Sumlin thing became a real popular thing to do last year for whatever reason. And I think that's going to turn back in the other direction. And people remember, oh, right, this guy was one of the rising stars in the coaching ranks like three years ago. (laughs) It wasn't that long ago that there were, you know, whispers about what may happen at Texas or, I mean, whatever big job you want to name, his name was in consideration. Just 2014, you know, it was like we're talking about a million years ago. Yep. Yep. You know, so and I don't I think, think the man forgot how to coach in, you know, 600 and some odd days. Oh, no. I mean, he still knows how to coach. You know, it's, it's again, I just think it's a combination of, you know, quarterbacks who just didn't want to be there. Um, and, you know, that is what it is. I know they were highly touted high school recruits. Whether that was after they enrolled at Texas A&M, you know. But, yeah, uh, I, I think that you know, it, I think I think they'll be better. I mean, you know, like I, I, I'm good enough to be in the top 25 conversation at least, and you know, at least solid, solid there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the rest of my top 25 just is, you know, looks like everybody else's top 25 to a certain extent. But um, but yeah, I think that the those other teams I mentioned, West Virginia, Penn State, Arkansas, Texas A&M, I think those are teams that might surprise people to a certain extent that they end up in the top 25. Right. Um, like you, I have a lot of the same teams most people have. I have a couple teams much higher than most. I have two ACC teams in the top eight in, the, in both Florida State and, of course, Clemson. And I have North Carolina in the top 20. I think they're going to be around that 16, 17 range or possibly higher. They're a team that I think Mr. Trubinsky is going to play well He's going to be a little less dynamic than Marquise Williams, but he's also going to be a little steadier. I think he's going to – you mentioned not turning the ball over. I think he's going to be very careful with the football. And they have you know, most of what else you want from an offense. They've got receivers who are good. I think Matt Collins has a breakout season this year, and obviously Ryan Switzer continues to be Ryan Switzer. Elijah Hood has a chance to be one of the best two, three, four running backs in the country. I think he has a big year. Their defense is not loaded with stars, but it's been better of late under Coach Chiswick. And despite how critical I've been of Coach Chiswick at other, I mean, other places and other times in his career, 
he has been money in his time as a D coordinator at Carolina. Does defense well. He really does. He really knows how to coach defense. And that's what Carolina was missing. I mean, even though they had defensive talent, I mean, a fair number of guys who got drafted in the first couple of rounds have come out of Carolina the last few years. But when they actually, we actually watched their defense on the field, you know, you watch a defense that had Trey Boston and had uh, Quinn yeah. and had. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you know. Right, you know, you three and four and five different guys who would end up getting drafted, three of them in the top 100, and the defense would give up 34 points against NC State or something. I mean, it's just, you know, it'd be like, like well, I mean, it just three Boston's your safety, right? You know, right? Yes. I mean, Trey Boston's like that guy that you go, hey, is that John Candy in the stands? And then he goes, huh, John Candy, and then you know, gone. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He, he was. He he was right. He was not the easiest, not the uh, hardest player in the world to fool with that. But still, despite the fact that this is not a, it's a talented defense, but not a star laden defense. I'll put it that sure. way. Sure. I mean, it's a, despite, it's a good defense. I mean, it's not hard. Right. To, I mean, that's the thing. It's not hard to have a good defense. Um, it's just a matter of if you have players that are disciplined and you know can can work as a team. Um, and that's really what North Carolina has done. Is there's no real, I mean, this, I mean, last year and this year too. There's no real, like, oh my gosh, this guy North Carolina is a beast. As right. They don't have like, a Robert Quinn. They don't have a Quinn Copel. They don't have any of those kinds of guys right now. No, but they have a good assortment of guys that are, you know, can tackle, can stop the run, um, you know, and are are solid, you know, across the board. And when you have that, you you, you know you can you know you can do things. And I have mean, North Carolina in sort of the seventeen, eighteen sort of area, you know. Yep. Um, so yep. it's kind of in the same place. So I guess surprise teams. I agree with you on West Virginia. I think they are going to be scary competitive in conference. I think that they and Oklahoma State are very similar in terms of, well, one, I mean, obviously in terms of how they go about winning football games, they're very similar. I think their games against each other will be deciding factors of who ends up, you know, number three in the conference. I think that Oklahoma and Texas A&M are, to me at least, that's the class of the conference. Oklahoma State and West Virginia are right there, you know, breathing down their necks. And Oh, wait. Is Texas, wait, did Texas A&M join the Big 12? I'm sorry, I keep doing that. They use I hate the fact that they're not in the Big Twelve anymore. I keep trying to put them back where they belong. Uh, shoot. Oh god. They should be in the Big Twelve. Because they'd be right in the thick of the race that they Well were. yeah, I mean it's the Yeehaw <laughs> conference and you don't have Texas A and M in the Yeehaw conference, something's up. Something's wrong with this scenario. I really I I still do it. I still in my mind keep trying to put them back in the right conference. Right. They are in the SEC for money reasons, and, yeah, that's got to be a problem with money reasons. But, branding reasons, you know. Right. It's a lot yeah. more t-shirt. Right. 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 Which means that they will not contend for the conference title. No. They would have done in the Big 12. <laughs> oh, well. They'll do better. They'll do better, though. I mean, you know, that's my contention. They'll do better. Yes. 
Yes, yes, they will. Yeah. But at least, at least <laughs> me, again, I'm, I might sound crazy. I might sound crazy. Whatever. My number one team right now is Florida State. I'm not. That doesn't sound that crazy. There's a couple other people I know who who are right there with you with them as number one in the country. I know, but it's all on the shoulders of Malik Henry at quarterback. Um, he's he's you know he's one of those guys that I, I Donovan James is actually the guy that first got me uh, on him, and more and more I watch him, more I'm like, oh, geez, this is the type of quarterback that Florida State has that can start to do some stuff. Um, I think the defense is going to be better this year than it was last year. Uh, I think the offense is going to be better with guys, you know, getting more experience. Um, and it's just littered with, you know, talent overall. Um, yes. In terms so, of raw talent, they're basically an SEC team, if you're just looking at the talent. Oh yeah. That's ridiculous, the and talent they have. I think this year in particular – if Malik Henry does what I think he's going to do, which he may not do that. He may not do what I think he's going to do. But if he does do what I think he's going to do, which is going to be a guy who shows up and is really good and everything else around him works and clicks, I think this is going to be a team that's going to have a really decent time going through everything. And, yeah, they will at some point face Clemson. And I think Clemson, in terms of their defense, is is – I mean, there's a lot of things about Clemson that I think show that they'll probably have a down year um, in terms of losing talent, not getting guys, getting guys that are talented to come in but not experienced. And I think that that might be sort of a deciding factor for Florida State to be, you know, the, the number one team. I, you know, at the, in the end, um, I think it, it's, it's possible. Um, and I just kind of like their talent overall. Um, number two is obviously Alabama, which is the team I was thinking about putting in number one. And then I just which a lot I, of people think about putting it number one because it's Alabama. Because <laughs> it's Alabama, I know, but I just uh, I, I I don't know. I just have a funny feeling about them this year. I mean, they're not they're not quite like you know Star Trek, where one year they're good and the next year they're bad or anything else like that, you know. But they are a, a team that is going to. I mean, they're going to be Alabama. You know, I just don't know if they're going to be the same sort of Jacob Coker sort of thing. Um, Derrick Henry is obviously not there anymore, and he was a big part of their success last year. Uh, and, you know, because they lean so heavily on him. And that's the funny thing, too, is Alabama as a whole, offensively, their offense has been good, but it's leaned heavily on guys. You know, like it yes. leaned heavily on Derrick Henry. The year before yes. that, it was heavy on Amari Cooper. He was a huge part of their offense that year. Um, so, I mean, who's going to be that guy this year, 100%? I know people a lot of people are assuming that it's either going to be Scarborough or Parker or – I mean, they have, they have two very talented wide receivers, and a lot of people are talking about Scarborough as essentially being the next Derrick Henry. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if I'd buy it on either of them. And, but more importantly, quarterback. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I know – I know people like to pretend it doesn't matter because they're Alabama and, you know, whoever, they'll be okay. <laughs> it does matter. I mean, Jacob Coker, I mean, again, I hate to go back to the Arkansas game, but so many touchdowns. Touchdowns that you could have got, Bill. Touchdowns that were like, oh, if you were the quarterback, 
she would have got those touchdowns. She didn't get them. And, yeah, it's Alabama, and, yeah, they can kind of get away with that because they're Alabama, but, you know, that isn't something that's consistent. It's about consistency more than anything else like that, you know. You're going to be able to fool everybody one year, but can you fool them again, again and again and again? I don't think that's possible. But who knows? I mean, Lane Kiffin, you know, plus Lane Kiffin can get pretty cute too. You know, he can get a little overconfident, you know, and maybe he's grown up a bit, but you know, he's gotten a little wiser. But I think I still think he's a little cocky. I still think he's a little, you know. Yeah, right. The guy who once he calls a play and sees that the quarterback has gotten the ball out of his hands, starts throwing his hands up. Touchdown! Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think he's a little, there's a little bit of, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to, and again, I'm putting him at number two. Like, don't hate me, you know, burn down my house because I put him at number two. <laughs> um, I just, I just think that it's, you know, because, you know, because again, Alabama has lots of issues in supremacy, you know, like everybody else. But, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I just think that they're, they're there. I mean, they're going to be good. I just have, I have them at two because I have some thoughts in the back of my mind that, oh, maybe there's a lot of things that could go wrong, possibly, that could derail them from being number one and number two. It's possible. Uh, Number three for me is LSU. And it's a team that I kind of want to put above Alabama, but I just – the quarterback – It's so hard to trust them to beat Alabama. Yeah. You know, unless Miles is an awesome coach and he almost was fired. Um, yeah, and it was like, yeah, because he's not beating Alabama. That would be yeah. the reason. <laughs> That's the reason, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm not sure if this is going to be the year he does that either, but I just, I, I ha- I'm I, just really excited about OSU just because they have tons of defensive back talent. They have tons of yes. defensive line talent. Uh, they have tons of, line, you know, linebacker, oh, linebacker talent not the greatest, but, I mean, they have – a little bit of that. They have good running backs. Their wide receivers are overrated, but they're they're really good for you know SEC wide receivers are really good. Right. Um, and you can be good the, and overrated. I try to tell people that. Just, when I say someone's overrated, it doesn't mean they're not good. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just think they have a ton of talent. They have a ton of running backs. They have a ton. They have everything you need to be great. Everything. It's just a matter it's, if they uh, can finally outcoach Alabama. Um, you know, and and also get a quarterback that can, you know, throw the ball better consistently and more accurately. So it's iffy, but, I mean, I just think on talent alone they should be number three in terms of overall talent. But um, I just think that to beat Alabama, there's a lot of stuff that is kind of, you know, to be determined, I guess. But I, I, I just think LSU should be there because I just think that this is, this is if this, if it's going to happen, if there's any year where this is going to happen for LSU, this would be that year. Got to be this year, <laughs> you know, because of the continuity they brought back and everything else like that. Um, plus, Alabama lost a lot of, you know, they lost Derrick Henry, they lost their wide receivers, you know, they not all the wide receivers, but they lost Amari Cooper, at least a really good one. So, you know, this is the year to, to kind of do all that. Number four is kind of a surprise, but I actually have Michigan at number four. Um, I think. Well, Somebody on Donovan's show picked Michigan number four as well. So, oh well, you know, I think it was Ryan. I think I think Ryan Sports did also. Oh yeah, I mean, again, it's the Jim Harbaugh effect. If Jim Harbaugh can turn Jake Ruddick 
you know, into <laughs> something, then what can he do with anybody else? You know, uh, I think defensively they're really special um, in terms of their secondary, in terms of all the other moving parts of their defense. There's lots of guys on uh, pass rush wise also that um, I'm not going to get into. You know, I forgot a lot of the names, but um, I do think that they have a lot of people on their defensive line that are probably going to do a lot better this year. Um, and offensively, again, I just think it, it, this is Jim Har- Harbaugh's year to really take a step forward, especially with Ohio State losing as much talent as it did. Because Ohio State lost a ton of talent. Yes, um, they did. They do have a consulate in, in you know, the SEC. Well, they used to. I don't know. It gets to the rule changes and stuff. I don't know. But, but they used to have that sort of consulate in the SEC. But I, I think that they lost too much talent. I think Ohio State will be kind of wonky this year. Um, I still think they'll be a good team. I just think they'll be really wonky. They won't be a dominant team, um, which is what Michigan, I think, will probably end up becoming in the Big 12, in the Big Ten. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I get to set Michigan there because that combination of Harbaugh, the defense, and the offense uh, being more uh, – being better. Now, let me ask you this. Where do you have Houston? Because that seems to be a lot of people's sort of hot, you know, dark horse could find its way in the top five or close to it kind of team this year. Where do you have have Houston? Houston at nine. Okay. Um, That's pretty close to where I have them, too. I have them uh, number six. I have them like six or seven, but yes. Yes, I, I agree. Yeah. They're going to be somewhere in that. Yeah, I got Houston at nine. Uh, I I do like what Houston's doing. Um, I think they're a team that can, can get up on a lot of teams that underestimate them. I just think that I just think there is a little bit of a talent disparity to a certain extent with Houston compared to other teams. Like if Houston was in the Big 12, I think they would definitely have a shot at, you know, being the best team in the Big 12. You know, but I don't necessarily think that they're there yet. Sure. But I do think that they're in the conversation for being in the top ten because of a lot of the talent they have there and the coaching and everything else like that. Um, but I mean, because like I have teams like Stanford, UCLA, and Ohio State, uh, and Florida over Houston. Um, oh wow! So you have Stanford much higher than I have them. So we've been pretty close. In everything we got set. So you have Stanford in the top ten. Yeah, I have Stanford in the top ten. Okay. And you could obviously be right and I could be wrong. I just this I want to just hear sort of what are some of the things you've seen or heard that make okay. you feel like Stanford's going because that means you have them winning the conference or do you have them coming up just short against UCLA? Have them winning the Pac twelve. But he um, doesn't win. But keep in mind, Stanford mm-hmm. and UCLA it's Stanford and then UCLA. It's neck and neck. It's like right there. You know, I know you can't see my hands, but it's like right there. It's really close. Uh, okay. I just think Stanford, it's Christian McCaffrey. Um, he is awesome. And he's only 19 yeah. years old. Um, you know, he's going to be 20. So, so I mean, he's, right. he's a young guy. He's really talented. Um, I think in terms of the offense, they leaned heavily on Christian McCaffrey. It, it wasn't the Kevin Hogan show, guys. It was the Christian McCaffrey show. <laughs> I think because it's still going to be that, 
I think yeah, I've seen the Kevin Hogan show. The Kevin Hogan show bombed out in its pilot season against Northwestern. Yes, exactly. But I think that Stanford is going to – I think that's I, – I, I don't know. I just have a feeling that Stanford, with Christian McCaffrey and everything else, uh, is is going to stay similar to what it's been doing in terms of the running game, in terms of the defense being um, – having some new guys that might emerge. Uh, that could emerge, I think are going to emerge um, in terms of that. And, you know, sure, th- th- that's the thing is UCLA is is the, the team where you got the chosen Rosen. You yeah. Know, I get that. But, you know, Derek Carr was at Fresno State, and we got completely trounced by USC. So True. there's a bit of like, yeah, Rosen's a really good quarterback, probably one of the the better, the best quarterback in college football, but that doesn't necessarily make you the best team. Um, and that's the only thing I'm struggling with UCLA is I think they lost a lot of talent on defense. Um, I know they might have, you know, tons of talent behind the guys they lost. But I just haven't seen them play actual college football, you know, consistently. Um, so, I mean, UCLA definitely could leapfrog Stanford at the possibility uh, because of the quarterback that they have and because of, you know, the defense, it could be better than what it is. Um, but I just think in terms of their offensive line um, and in terms of just skill position players and stuff like that, I I just have questions about UCLA in terms of those sort of things. Um, but I do think they're going to be better this year. So it's kind of – it's just wishy-washy, I guess. I just, I just have much more faith in a Christian McCaffrey-led Stanford winning more games than UCLA. Okay. But I could be wrong. But that's just kind of how I no, feel. I, I, actually, I think you're probably right. I mean, I have Stanford ahead of UCLA. I don't know if either one of them wins the conference, though. Now, recently, Washington's been a lot of people's sexy dark horse pick, and I think they'll be better than they were last year, but I don't think they're quite ready. Mm-hmm. People are sleeping on USC for some reason. In terms, if well, you go down the the roster, their their roster is as impressive as anyone's in the conference. Kind now, of. for the most part, I mean, I have a few concerns <laughs> about their O line, but I mean, USC. I hate to say overrated. I mean, they're in my top twenty-five, but right. I just. Uh, I just have a hard time. I got burned. I've been burned too many times by USC. We all we all have. We've all been burned. Too many. Really? Not since it's been a decade, basically since that was a really trustworthy. Well, almost a decade because they were a really trustworthy Perfect. team in terms of, you know, you know they're going to win eleven games. Yeah, yeah, and I I don't think that's right there, hundred percent. I mean, the quarterback no. Max Burns, he's a guy that was definitely a highly touted recruit. But couldn't beat out Cody Kessler for a lot of years, um, right? Which, right. Uh, like, okay, what was this about? Uh, <laughs> you know, I'll and, be honest. And, I really thought he was going to beat out Kessler. I I would have bet you that he was going to beat Kessler out. I was shocked that he couldn't beat out Cody Kessler. Yeah, but he didn't. So, I mean, and and that's not. I'm not trying to put an indictment on Max Brown. Maybe Max Brown is you know a decent quarterback, but it's just something there in the back of your mind going, why, you couldn't be out Kessler? Okay, okay. 
Um, yeah. You know, basically, yeah. this is your savior. That's why I've never fully been able to buy in the whole Flacco elite thing. I keep thinking, okay, you somehow couldn't get past Tyler Palco on the depth charts. There's got to be something that's not quite all the way there. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, Max Brown is definitely there. Juju Smith-Schuster is Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, Dory Jackson is good, but I think he's a little overrated. But, I mean, he's a good player. Well, I, I think he's overrated because people look at him play. It's what the Miles Jack effect. Well, look, he's playing both ways. Just imagine how good he be, he'll be if he just – and yeah. it's a mistake to assume that a guy is going to be better just because he's no longer playing both ways. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so there's that. And defensively, I've never been goo-yaga about any other defensive linemen or linebackers. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Now, that's, that's, I, I think they have some players who will emerge from that – not seven, but that's the thing that's changed from the team of, I mean, remember there was a year where they had, how many guys from their front seven drafted? Five? Is that right? Let me think. Uh, there was a year everybody. where, yeah, essentially everybody, right? Mayavia, Kaluka Mayavia, Matthews, um, Keith Rivers, Maluga, um, yep. Who's the sort of tweener D E D T guy who ended up with the Seahawks? The one guy that P. Carroll did take with him, whose name I can't remember now. Um and they had uh, uh Jarrell Casey. Uh I'm missing one. But yeah, some crazy number of guys from the like something like five or six members of the front seven got drafted in one draft. I don't I, that's gotta be close to a record. Oh, and I'm almost forgetting, um, what's his name? The safety. Um, Tim, uh, J, uh, TJ McDonald. Yeah, they had a ridiculous year one year. McDonald, Taylor Mays. Right. And then Sharice Wright had transferred, I guess, but yeah, he started yeah. his career there. <laughs> so if you counted him, which you can't quite count him, but it's almost like with, with Ohio State, if you count Jeremy Cash, they would have broken the Miami record. But Miami still holds the record, I think, for the most guys drafted in one since the common draft in one one year but i know that that usc team and that uh and the most recent ohio state team were both really close and you mentioned obviously all the talent ohio state lost and i don't mean to sound mean but some of those guys that ohio state lost weren't as good as people thought they were and i have a feeling that they won't miss some of them as much as people think they'll miss them sure but you lost von bell you lost joey bosa you know. Okay, those guys are really good. The things, the things that made you great, the things that made people take notice, the things that made people go, "Oh, this is a this Ohio State team's pretty good," are gone. So now you have to start all over again. And yeah, Tyquan Lewis is decent. Joe Bosa is is he Joey Bosa? Eh, not really. Well, right, Nick Bosa is not Joey Bosa, but he's. You know, he'll be good. I guess, maybe, but that's a lot of stuff to, to you know, and sure, Darren Lee is, is not really as good as everybody had him up to be either. You know, other than maybe you know, and of course, you know, the cornerback situation 
the guy that the Giants drafted in the top ten, which was kind of okay. Eli Apple, you mean? Yeah, Eli Apple. I am so glad he wasn't there for the Steelers today because I had this terrible premonition they were going to take him if he was there. Yeah, but you know, hey, but you got a consolation prize, you got Artie Burns. So. Um, <laughs> oh, uh. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I mean, again, Ohio State is. This is the thing. Ohio State looked like dog poop last year. I mean, they did not look good in spots last year. They looked horrible Correct. in spots last year. Correct. They looked shitty at times last year. They looked yes. like a, a guy about to get knocked out to the ground last year. And yes. they still were able to pull things together and, and beat teams that weren't really the most talented and, and you know, and get a little bit of luck, too. And yes. Urban Meyer down deep into his coaching you know, and just, you know, basically, you know, summoning the, you know, whatever spirit is inside him that possessed him in German or Meyer, whatever that is, deep down into that and doing his thing. But yes. this is different now. Like, Zeke Elliott, another guy, gone. Now, that, you know? that I yeah, think, like, is all the guys you've named. <laughs> That's the one they will have the hardest time Zeke replacing. Elliott basically saved their ass a lot. Yes, last year. I agree. Now, that's the... Where All like, the other guys you named, okay, they'll miss they'll miss Bosa, and they'll they'll definitely miss Von Bell. But the one I think they'll have the greatest effect on the team is the loss of Ezekiel Elliott. That's the guy that that he was the bailout. The, oh, okay, well we'll just whip this out and we'll be okay. Because I remember that Indiana game. I remember the Indiana game where Elliott got a really long run sat on the bench, they gave up another really long run to Indiana, and Elliot was just looking like, I got to come out here again? (laughs) Come on, guys. Like, I got to come in again? I got to do this again? I I closed you out once, and I got to come back again. So, like, he's gone. And you know, sure, there's a sort of like, oh, well, they have another running back behind, like a Scarborough or whatever, you know, type of guy. Like, oh, this other guy behind him is just as good. But you just can't have that mentality. So, I mean, offensively, they struggled a ton. The guy that was the mastermind of their offense ain't there anymore. He's at Houston um, in terms of, you know, what – in terms of, the, like, what made Ohio State's offense so great during those couple of years was, Sure, Urban Meyer was a part of it, but he also had another guy, you know, making great decisions. And I think that kind of changed a bit when, you know, he left Houston. Um, So, in terms of offensive coordinator. So, like, they, I mean, I I still have faith that they have a ton of talent there. and They're going to be able to at least get into the top ten. But I definitely do see the wobbliness of it all, the wonkiness of it, that, will probably take them down a peg to the point where they could even be like a top 15, top 25. Yeah. But I still wow. think that I still think with Urban Meyer there though, again, Urban Meyer's still there and he's still going to do his thing. It's just that the it's, and maybe it was a little bit of the quarterback situation too, where he went. With yeah, that's Joe, that's why I think the team will be a little more solid this year. There's no, Will he or won't we? Is it him? Is it? Is it? I mean, there's none of that. 
I mean, will they have regrets? And the other thing, too, is, you know, the, the offense of Urban Meyer, a lot of it is a lot of what makes it work really well is having that athletic quarterback, you know, that quarterback that can get, you know, some extra yard is 500 yards, like a Tim Tebow type of back, you know, type of right. quarterback. Right. Um, Alex Smith. Or a Braxton Miller type of quarterback, you know, just certain. Right. Yeah, Alex Smith. Yeah, and Alex Smith. So, but when you lose that guy and you go to Cardinal Jones, who's like a Dante Culpepper-like quarterback to a certain extent, but not as athletic as Dante Culpepper, but in similar, you know, Ryan Leafish athleticism type of quarterback. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, I'm just saying. That's different. That's a different type of court. That doesn't really fit 100% well. You know, he's more of like a drop back passer than actually a running quarterback. So I think that threw them off too, where they weren't able to do the offense that I think he really wanted to do because he had to, to fit with Cardell Jones. And Cardell Jones wasn't fitting as well as they thought he was going to fit. Right. So. I think that that'll help them out, though. So I think there's going to be a lot of confusion and a lot of anger and a lot of this and a lot of that and losing to Michigan and stuff like that. There's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to happen this year that Ohio State fans are going to be pulling their hair out to a certain extent. But you're still going to be in the top ten, I think. You know, So it is what it is. I think it's going to be a little bit of a down year, but I think this is just going to be one of those years where people have to reestablish themselves. Um, but I think they will. But who knows? I mean, this could be the Urban Meyer jump ship year, too. You know, because Urban Meyer doesn't stay in places very long. I mean, you know, he coaches a place for four or five years, and then he right. moves Just on ask Bowling Green or Utah or <laughs> Florida. Uh, okay. Another sexy, dark horse, another sexy dark horse team that some people have winning – well, not a few people, not many, but I've seen a couple people have winning the ACC as Louisville. Uh, one or two people have picked them to to end up either number one or number two, supplanting Clemson or or Florida State, ending up behind either Clemson or Florida State. And then, like I said, I think one or two maybe that have them sort of sneaking up and winning the conference. Now, I think that's a little rich, but I think they have a very. I think I think they and Carolina are in the fight for the third spot. Where do you have Louisville? I don't have them in my top twenty-five. Ah, okay. Not a, I don't I have mean, them as high as some people have them, but I do have them. I think I have them like 21 or something. I mean, yeah. it's the it's the Petrino effect, kind of. Petrino, <laughs> was a, you know, Petrino had a good team that was ranked pretty high. Um, I don't remember how high, but I, I do remember it was like, you know, like he, he had this moment in college football where he was the it guy and everything else like that. Then he went to Atlanta, and then he lied to a bunch of grown men to their face, and then you know went to the team. Um, but you know, I I I do like Petrino. I don't like the quarterback situation there. Um, I it's I do funny because some people are super excited about the quarterback situation there. Yeah, but he's but they're they're. I've heard everything, Bill. I've heard people compare him to Teddy Bridgewater. I know. I <laughs> And I just kind of go, if you squint, maybe, you know, like if you squint at Teddy Bridgewater and you squint at him, yeah, I guess, but they're completely different quarterbacks. You have one quarterback that can actually pass the football and be accurate, and you have another quarterback 
who is not accurate and is actually a heck of a lot more athletic. Than yes, he's a really good. There was a UNLV quarterback a few years ago, Michael something, and I think he originally moved in the wide receiver, but was built similarly, like 6'3", 200 pounds or something like that, and could really run. Yeah. Oh, what was that kid's name? But very similar. Oh, uh, yeah. Skinny kid, great feet, could jump, could really run. Not, you know, probably about a 54.5% completion guy, though, as a, as a passer. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Lamar Jackson could certainly improve as a passer, and he'd be better, yeah. obviously. If they're... He'd be better. But I'm calling I'm, – I'm not no, – no, no, I'm not no, – no, no. I'm, I'm not – that's not – Sorry. And plus, I don't think their defense is that great. Um, I now, think... that's a, a better point, I think. I think I think the offense will be better than it was last year. I think their defense will not be. I mean, there's – again, there's a lot of – it's a lot of names. A lot of names. You know, like this guy's a name, that guy's a name. So they're going to be great. You know, it's it, – but no, no. I mean, the only guy I actually like on Louisville's defense is safety, Josh Harvey Clemens. And even he's kind of a flawed guy. So, you know, I just, uh, I mean, because, yeah, that's, I don't know, that's my thing. I I don't see them as a top 25 team. I know they have Petrino. I know that things, oh, things are going to be better, you know, but I just, I don't see that. I think that they're going to be a team that still struggles, and I don't think they're really going to take the next step. And they dang sure ain't going to usurp Florida State and Clemson or North Carolina. Like, I don't see that. That's a big step that I don't think is going to happen. So Okay. Got it. That's just, uh, that's just me. I mean, you know, I, that's just how I feel. Well, it's a pivotal year, and I agree they could go in either direction. People are assuming they're going to be better based on, well, either a love for Lamar Jackson, which I can sort of kind of understand. He had some streaks and flashes that showed certain things, but I don't think – he'll be ready, unless he's really gotten coached up like nobody's business. I don't think he'll be ready to suddenly become a top-tier collegiate quarterback. Where do you have Michigan State? That's another team that some people have in the top uh, five or six, and some people have in the team. I got them in the 20s. Wow. They're like 20... Oh, let me see. One, two, Eighteen, actually. Okay, okay, that's not crazy. That's about seven slots. I have them number eleven. I'm about seven slots higher. Okay. But I've seen some people have them, you know, just outside of the final four, and I've seen some people have them, yeah, like where you have them in this in the teens, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. I have them eleven. I just think they are in a situation where they aren't ready to contend national championship-wise, but I still think they'll be in the mix in the Big Ten. But it sounds like you even think they probably aren't really in the mix in the conference. Tell me about what you see or don't see in Michigan State this year. I mean, all the ta- a lot of their talent's gone. You right. Know, a big – the stalwarts of their defense, gone. You know, Now, I didn't really like Shalik Calhoun that much, but every year you're talking about Shalik Calhoun – it was kind of like the Mr. Magoo of making plays on that defense. He ain't there anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, they have, I mean, I like their 
safety in Nicholson, but he also is a flawed player as well. Um, I don't know what life after Connor Cook is actually going to look like, 100%. Um, I guess it's going to look like life right before Connor Cook is what I'm thinking. As much as I don't like Connor Cook, it's probably the nicest thing I'm going to say about Connor Cook, by the way, but as much as I don't like Connor Cook, um, I do think he was he was a decent part, uh, or at least an okay part of making that offense be okay, at least in the passing offense, um, being all right. Um, not great, but okay. Um, with him gone, it's kind of – and I know they've always been more of a run-based team anyways, but I, just, I don't know. I just have this feeling that, like, there's kind of smoke and mirrors, not a ton, you know, to a certain extent. Um, I do think they're a well-coached team. I do think that they have defense players that are okay. I do think offensively they have I, – again, I, I like their running backs a lot more than anything else in terms of their offense. Um, but I just I don't know, I just have this feeling about them this year that I don't think they're gonna be as good as uh as people think they're gonna be. So, I mean that's just kinda how I feel about them. They're still in the top twenty five. Um I, I just sure. think like Ohio State and teams like uh Michigan are, are gonna be above them. Um to a certain and um, also let me see oh and I also have Iowa above them too. Wow. Now, there's the the wow moment. Iowa's a team I have barely in the top 25, but you have them a little higher than I expected. So tell me, uh, what what do you see in Iowa that makes you you want to put them uh, where they are? I just just like the continuity more. I like the defensive continuity. I like Desmond King. Uh, I think – Yeah, I I love Desmond King. They're not – I mean, okay, they're not like the best things in the world, I know. But, um, but yeah, I I I, I think uh, I don't know. I just again, and they're slightly above them. I just think continuity wise, they're there. And Iowa's definitely that team that you know the seniors make a big part of that team. And this may be a different year. Maybe they go back to not being really great. But I, I think that they'll. I just think they'll be better, or at least the same as they were last year to a certain extent, you know. And the quarterback's still there, too. And he's not great, but he can at least win you football games, so. Okay. And I guess the last particular team out, well, I'll throw out two, two, two OUs or two teams with O. Universities that begin with O. Uh, Oklahoma and Oregon. Uh, where do you have those two teams? Oh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, I have right below Michigan State. Really? And what was the other team? And Oregon. I do not have Oregon in the top 25. Okay, that would qualify as a surprise to most people as well. So the the people who believe that Chip Kelly was a magician making Oregon go will support you in that, that Coach Helfring is not able to do the things that Chip Kelly did, and they'll blame it on that. And then obviously, hey, it, yeah. I just don't think they're a good team. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Oregon as a whole, I, I just don't think, 
Uh, they're the same team that they used to be. Um, I, I don't. I think I'm not going to say it's a gimmick, but they that they haven't been able to. Um, I don't know. I just don't think they're a very good team. And I think this is. I mean, defense especially. Their defense is what have been consistently average to bad. Um, and the best part of their defense left too, um, in terms of uh, you know DeForest Buckner. So. Um, there's a lot of stuff there that I, I just don't like or care for. I don't think they're going to be as good. Got it. And Oklahoma? Yeah, they're right below Michigan State. Um, I I don't know. I'm still a big believer in Oklahoma. Uh, I don't <laughs> think the Baker Mayfield thing is going to be uh, – consistent i don't think it's gonna be like a thing that to you know a year and i don't know i just don't think it's gonna continue so i mean i do like p ryan but this is the offense with offensive coordinator that has been adamant that we're going to feature baker mayfield and you don't have selling shepherd anymore you don't have a lot of things a lot of the reasons they beat certain teams because it's really shepherd Plain and simple. He's not there anymore. True. Um, defensively, they have talent there, but I've never been enamored with anybody at that team so far in, like, a really goo-goo-ga-ga way on defense. And it's not to say they have bad people on defense. I just haven't been like, oh, my gosh, this is this is really good in terms of this guy or that guy or this sort of stuff. So, I mean, I just think that they – might be a little overhyped this year, and I do think that they'll they'll do their thing. I just think they'll lose a, a couple games, um, and people will start to go, "Oh, I thought they were great," type of stuff. Because even last year, I mean, I remember last year people were like, "Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma," and I'm like, eh, "Okay, you know, they're all right, but they're not really that great." Got it. Okay, um, any other teams that – is Baylor in your top 25? Yep. They yeah, that's are the – mm-hmm. let me see. They're 13. Okay, that's that's actually very close to where I have them as well. I think people have – assume that that program is going to implode and fall apart and all this stuff. And they're forgetting, one, is they still have a lot of talent. And two, Coach Grobe got a team that Riley Skinner quarterbacks to the Orange Bowl. Riley Skinner. So he, he managed to win a lot of football games with two-star athletes for the most part. Oh, yeah. He's never That's coached he, this much talent before. I mean, there's a lot of talent at Baylor. I mean, the only thing that might hurt Baylor is if the distractions, you know, right. get to them. Because right. um, distractions get to everybody. I mean, they even get to Belichick. So, um, I mean, you just – that's the only thing is distractions. If they can limit that, if they can just focus on football, then I think they'll do pretty decently. But that's obviously, you know – a little bit of a question. Sure. 
No, I agree. I think they're going to be a very good team. I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised with how well they, they play. I think they have a lot of good senior leadership. And that team is, I think, is going to be more, a little more focused than people might expect. So it yep. sounds like you've got good representation of the of certain conferences and maybe a little lighter representation than people might have guessed of other conferences. So it sounds like, unless I'm missing something, uh, you don't have a huge number. So there's UCLA, Stanford, USC. Is there anybody yeah. else from the? Washington State. Oh, ah. Said that's about them yet. Okay, so Washington State's always an interesting team for well, Mike Leach reasons. So, where do you have Washington State, and what do you what are you expecting from them this year? I have them twenty twenty one. Okay. I think a big part so, of this year is going to be if Luke Paul can take the next step. Um, right and just become better uh, at consistency with his accuracy and uh, basically all the stuff that uh, um, Carson Wentz, all the stuff that you could say negatively about Carson Wentz, you could say the same about Luke Falk, but all the positives you could say about Carson Wentz, you see in Luke Falk too. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit of that. Um, basically, don't be surprised if Luke Falk gets drafted number two overall by the, you know, some other sort of bird franchise. So. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Uh, where do you have Oklahoma State? I have Oklahoma State at um, right above Michigan State. Okay. Okay, that's not. Not crazy. Yeah, I like uh, I, I like the wide receiver they got there. I I think their defense is going to improve a little bit, um, and I think overall, offensively and defensively, I think they're going to be a better overall team. So that's mm-hmm. just kind of my feelings on that. Okay. Now we mentioned Houston earlier. Are there any uh-huh. other non-power five teams that made your top twenty-five? Mm-mm. Nope. I thought about BYU for a minute, though, but I just <laughs> pulled the trigger. Got it. <laughs> BYU is going to, be, going to be an interesting test case for for a bunch of things, obviously, for how they will look without Bronco Mendenhall or Liddell Edwards. I mean, it's been – let's see. I guess he had what, Gary Croton for – like a interim or something, but other than that sort of brief period with Croton, I believe it's been what almost forty? No, maybe over forty years. Now I think about it, since it wasn't Liddell or Bronco Mittenhall uh, on the sidelines for them. This will be very interesting to see how they look going forward. Yeah, I toyed with some a few other non-power five teams I thought might get in there, but it's 
and probably one of them will. You know, somebody will get hot. Who knows? Maybe Louisiana Tech or somebody will have a great season or better than expected season and claw their way in there. But it's hard to find somebody that jumps out at you early on. But here's the team I know you haven't mentioned yet. Where do you have TCU, another team that's sort of replacing a lot of important players? Hmm? Yeah, Jim. I was saying, where do you have TCU? Oh, TCU? Yeah, another team replacing a lot of... Uh, uh, to right below Washington State, so they're 22. Oh, okay. I have them slightly higher, but not much higher. I think I have them about three. I have them at 19. Just, they just barely cracked the top 20. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And another name. Now, some people have this team in the top four, and some people have this team barely in the top 20. Another one of those teams is very volatile in terms of where it's placed. Where do you have Notre Dame? Speaking of, I guess they're technically speaking in non power five. Oh, Notre Dame. They're 10. Oh, okay. They're 10. I have them pretty high, a lot higher than I thought I would, because I'm normally against the Golden Domers. But um, uh, it's, t- it's it's tough because, like, I like the quarterback. I like both quarterbacks. I like Kaiser. I like uh, uh, Zaire also. Um. Particularly, I just like the differences in the two. Kaiser is more, you know, drop-back kind of guy. Zaire has really good feet um, for a guy mm-hmm. like him. Um, and I think I just like Zaire's feet a lot more than Kaiser. And I know that that's weird to say to a certain extent, but I just I, I just like Zaire a lot. He got hurt. Um, I didn't like Kaiser. Um, he got into games where I'm like, wow, you are really not ready. And all of a sudden, he's going to be a top 10 pick now. So, like, I don't know anymore. But, um, Pretty crazy. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's a little crazy. But I think uh, offensively, I think they still have some stuff there. Um, I think defensively, they're different, obviously, with Jalen Smith gone um, a few other things. But, uh I don't know. I just, I just think they're a solid overall team. Uh, they could prove me wrong. They could be a team that ends up coming out and proving everybody what they, what usually happens in Notre Dame is we hype them up to be a top ten team, and then they end up being like a top fifty team, um, usually. But uh, I think this is going to be the year where the quarterbacks at least are talented, and I think that they'll be able to make a lot more noise than people expect, or 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 what they do expect maybe. So. Got it. Okay, so here's some names I haven't heard you mention yet, which either means they're outside of your top 25 or you just haven't mentioned them yet. Uh, does Auburn bounce back? And if so, where did you put them? Nope. Okay. Um, Actually, and I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of with you on that. I I don't fully trust them. Um, UCLA, you said you had a number what again? Oh, I had them um, three, four, five, six. You had them at six. Wow. Okay, you had them so high. Really? Uh, you, Arizona, it sounds like you have outside of the top 25. Yeah, they're not there. Okay. So Arizona, Arizona State, I'm guessing they're both outside of the top 25. 
Tennessee, you have not as high as a lot of people, but you have them in the top 20. No, I didn't hear – I didn't hear – so was that – Tennessee's not in my top 25. Oh. Wait, what? Tennessee's not oh. my top 25. Oh, whoa, okay. That's that's news. Okay. <laughs> I see some people having them super high. Uh, what is – Boise – a second here. I, I'm just – I'm like, what did they do to change – Right. No, they, they did – yeah. It's all based on it's a futures market. <laughs> with Tennessee. Josh Dobbs. Super I mean, Josh Dobbs super was buy. a bad quarterback last year. I think he's gonna be a bad quarterback this year. <laughs> I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Uh I didn't hear you mention Boise yet. I'm assuming they're somewhere in the teens or something. Mm, they're not I mean, they're not in the twenty five. I kinda have them a little bit outside that area. Um, I'm just not very trustworthy in Boise State being the team to kind of um, – the Mount West Conference is so bad, Bill. It's so bad. It's become so terrible uh, that it just hurts Boise State overall for me. Um, so, yeah, they can, they're a team that can compete out of conference and do that kind of stuff, but I don't think they'll ever really get back to the days where they were upsetting people, you know, and the and the I think it was a Tostitos Bowl. Oh. Right. I mean, they were they 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 beat people in Tostitos Bowl. They beat people. They beat uh, Oklahoma. They beat uh, who's the other, uh, Alabama. Right. They beat uh, they beat a few yeah. people. They beat uh, no, sorry, Utah. It was Utah that beat Alabama. Um, but they beat oh, there's someone else. They beat they beat about three top ten teams back to back to back years in bowl games. Uh, they had a little, little – Zabransky obviously um, had one, and then there were two for um, uh, Kellen Moore. You know, so they had a little bit of a role going there for a while where you didn't want to see them in, in a big-time postseason game because they, they would beat you. And back in the old BCS days, they were one, you know, kick away from beating Nevada and being undefeated and being in the BCS, and who knows what would have happened then. But uh, they did not get that uh, that uh, much-needed kick and ended up losing to Kaepernick. But, yes, uh, I mean, Boise isn't the Boise it was, obviously, in the, in the old uh, Chris Peterson days. I think they'll find their way somewhere into the lower levels of the top 25. I think I have them at 23 now. But you're right. The conference isn't – I'll tell you what other team in, might make it into the top 25 that people might not be expecting is I think San Diego State has an outside shot at clawing its way into the top 25. Maybe. Another yeah, another team you didn't mention, and I don't know if it's because you just hadn't mentioned them yet or they aren't in the top 25. I didn't even mention either Mississippi or Mississippi State. Oh, Ole Miss is above Washington State. Okay. Mississippi State is not in the top 25. Okay, got it. Okay, so Auburn... Tennessee and Mississippi State did not make it. Nope. Mississippi, Arkansas, obviously Alabama, and 
Texas A&M did make it. So you have and Florida and Florida. So you have five five SEC teams in your top twenty-five. Then a decent amount. I mean, one. It is a decent two, amount. Three, four, five, six. You know. Oh, so, okay. That, yeah, that'll do. Ish percent. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good amount. That'll do. Yeah. I think that that's a, that's a good a good number. I mean, the teams that I feel good about making the top twenty-five. I don't feel good about Tennessee making the top twenty-five, or Mississippi State, or in fact, I think the guy the coach at Mississippi State is probably gonna get fired this year, unfortunately. Um, wow. And Tennessee too, he might get fired as well. Um, wow. Hey. Faults and expectations, my friends. You know, whatever you do, don't make people think too highly of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh? Wow. Uh, let's see. So your surprise teams that are in the top twenty-five. Um, included Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Arkansas, Penn State, Texas A&M, although it's not really a surprise, but, you know, a lot of people don't have Texas A&M in the top 25. And the other team was I think that's it, really. Oh, West Virginia. Okay. And then amongst ACC teams, you do have, of course, obviously Clemson, Florida State, I got Carolina. Carolina, North Carolina. Um, and, um, yeah, that's it as well. Unless you count Notre Dame as an ACC team. I do not. <laughs> I just, I, I think, as you know, Notre Dame is sort of the, it's a team where, you know, you have that transubstantiation. You know, basically it, it turns into the ACC conference and then it turns away by will of God type of thing. Yes, that's essentially what happens. Yes, they are both within and without. <laughs> they are both in it but not of it, I guess is what it really is. Yeah. For the holy, um, holy Notre Dame conference, basically, is what they are. And yet, we want to compete for the ACC title because of money. Yeah. Fascinating how that all works. You know, yep. so yes, Arkansas, Penn State, and um, I keep forgetting your your third sort of surprise team. West Arkansas, Virginia. Penn State. Oh, in West Virginia, yes. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Because Texas A&M, I mean, not really a surprise. But to some people, it would be a surprise. Yes, I guess to so. <laughs> yes. But, yes, West Virginia is a good team. And 
they they super fun to watch. I mean, they will get in some shootouts. And they're going to win some games in shootouts. I agree that Baylor's not going to fall off the cliff as as you had them not falling off the cliff. Uh, my, I still have Ohio State higher than you. I just think they'll find a way to keep being Ohio State. I think Michigan gets closer, and I think they are clearly the number two, in my mind, the number two team in the conference and gaining, in fact. Ohio State's not the juggernaut that it once was, but I think they'll still, I think they'll lose one game in conference, perhaps even two Michigan, but I think Michigan will drop a, a game, and then if they do meet in the conference championship game, which would be awesome, I think Ohio State would find a way to win it. Um, I think Michigan State does fall off a little bit. Maybe not quite far down as you have them, but I think they're outside of the top ten and, like I said, more in the teens now. I like Texas A&M a little more than you. I, I don't like Notre Dame quite as much, but not but close. I mean, we're not – actually, you have them at ten. Yeah, so it's like one spot difference, probably with Michigan. Um, I like Carolina more than everybody, but maybe some of that's irrational. Uh, but I think they're going to find a way to be – you know, not far outside of the top 10. I think it'll be right sort of right outside, like maybe 12 or so. That's where I think I have them now. 12, 13. I've bounced back and forth from 12 and 13. Uh, I think Oklahoma State's better than most people think they are. I think they'll be right there in the in the midst as well, somewhere in the – just outside of the top 10 as well, probably somewhere in between 11 and 14. I think I may have them 14 at the moment. I think there'll be at least one other non-big Power 5 team that'll find its way in, and I've been arguing with myself about who it's going to be. I'll probably be wrong about the team it is, but there'll be at least one that'll crack that, uh, you know, claw their way in. Might be Boise, might be San Diego State, might be, this will be somebody. Uh, yeah, Houston, I think, is going to be just outside of the top four. I think they're, they're number six for me right now, and Obviously, they'll need to win uh, their, you know, non-conference, uh, everybody's watching games. If they can do that, they can really do some damage this year. Southern Miss is a team that I, I think, they might not make the top 25, but I think they're going to be not far outside of it. Um, there might be a MAC team that cracks the top 25. I'm trying to figure out who, who the best team in the MAC is so I can – uh, figure out who that team might be. Western Michigan has some guys I really like, but they aren't super deep. Uh, I don't know. So I'll work on that. Still working on it. Uh, uh, I like USC a little bit more than you. I think that they're probably the third best team in the Pac-12, and I think it's close between UCLA and uh, and USC. And I, I, I won't be shocked if USC finds a way even to, if USC beats UCLA but then drops, you know, two games, two games in conference, Stanford probably being one of them and maybe, I don't know, one of the Arizona, Arizona somebody, somebody they probably should, shouldn't lose to, but they often find a way to lose games they shouldn't lose. Um, let's see. So teams that I do have in the top 25 that I think that you do not. Let me think. Uh, I do have Tennessee in the top 25. I don't like them as much as a lot of people like them, but I think they'll be in the top 25. 
Uh, Auburn, I agree, is not in the top 25. Michigan, Miss, sorry, Mississippi State, I think, also is not in the top 25, but they're probably right outside of it. They have probably about an 8-4 and four team that just misses. Um, I guess sort of my, my surprise team is A&M. I think A&M finds its way into, you know, they don't win the SEC, obviously, but I think they're, they might be the second-best team in the West. Uh, they might be not far behind Alabama. Uh, let me see. Where did you see you at, Florida? Jim, where did you see you at, Florida? Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, Florida is the other team, I think, and Georgia are the teams in the SEC. I think, obviously, are fighting it out for the top of the East. I think Tennessee is still fighting out for second and third. But I I think they do enough to keep Bush Jones in his job. I agree that Dan Mullen is in great grave jeopardy. I like Louisville a little more than you. I know you have them outside of the top 25. I have them in the top 20, and I have them right now at number 20 on the nose, in fact. Uh, I have Carolina just outside of the top 10, as I mentioned. Notre Dame, number 11. Um, I think Boise is right now about number 23 for me, if I remember correctly. Uh, let's see, who else do I have? Um, I agree on a lot of what you have. Michigan, for me, also just missed. I think I have number seven in the nation. Uh, I think Florida State is just outside of the – well, you know what? Let me see. I actually have two. I have both Florida State and Clemson in the top four. I have two ACC teams in the final four I have, um, and A&M and, uh, and Alabama. Uh, Ohio – sorry, sorry, I take it back. Ohio State and Alabama. A&M just a little bit outside. I think A&M is, is close but just misses. Um, Michigan also. So, to me, the teams that, that just missed are both Michigan and Texas A&M. Uh, I think LSU is also in that same, you know, just outside of the, the final four mix. And if they do get great quarterback play, I could see them getting there. Uh, or even not, not even great, average. So they have average quarterback play, which for them is great, I guess, once you factor in the team we're talking about. Uh, they just need essentially, you know, competent quarterback plays, what I should have said. That, to me, that would elevate them into an opportunity to uh, to be there. Uh, let's see. I think who else we discussed. But, yeah, I'm in agreement on several of those. We have a few of them we had pretty much uh, 100% agreement on Uh, I do have I have TCU also just uh, at, I have TCU at 15. I have Arkansas at uh, 18. I have Oregon at 19. I have 
Uh, USD at 16, uh, Baylor at 12. I have Ohio State at 18, not 18, at um, at um, 15. Sorry, uh, Florida State. Like I said, just missing. No, not missing. So in, I have them in uh, the Final Four. I think they're probably the third best team in the country. Uh, Notre Dame, I have currently at 11. Uh, UCLA, I have at 10. Uh, LSU at 7. I have Ole Miss at 14. Georgia at 13. I have Oklahoma at number five. Uh, Boise, I have a 21. I have Missouri at 25 on the nose, just making it. Uh, You like Stanford way more than me. I have Stanford at number nine. Well, not way more, a little bit more, I guess. Um, yeah, and then the rest we are in agreement on everyone else. To me, it's an interesting year for several reasons. Not only, obviously, like every time we there's guys who left and guys who are coming in, and then talking about people I see being Heisman finalists include, I think, Chubb and Perrine amongst the running backs have a good chance to be finalists. Obviously, Deshaun Watson has a chance to be a finalist amongst the quarterbacks. Uh, J.T. Barrett has, a, a to me, an outside shot, but a shot. Josh Rosen is another guy to watch out for. Dalvin Cook, another running back that has a chance to be there when it's all said and done. Uh, let's see. What else do I want to mention? I guess I can toss in a little bit of information. Uh, and then <coughs> oh, the other team I do have in the Top 25 that James did not is Louisville. And though I'm not as high on them as some are, uh, some people are having them you know, within the top 10. I think they fight their way into the into the teams. And, you know, I, will, I won't be shocked if they come up short, but I, I think they will find their way in there. I think there's some, uh, some good players on that team. Uh, Bonifant, the former quarterback, I think has sort of a, a bit of a breakout year, his junior year and his second year playing playing uh, wide receiver, L.J. Scott, the junior and senior, Brandon Radcliffe, give them a nice one-two punch at the running back position. Uh, Jaquay Williams is now a senior. Gio Pascasio and uh, James Quick, Charles Stanbury, along with uh, the aforementioned Bonifant, give them a pretty talented group of receivers, Jamari Staples, the senior, and Javante Bagley is a junior. So they're pretty deep there. Their defense has Keith Brown, uh, Keith Kelsey, Shaq Wiggins, uh, Cornelius Sturgill, the aforementioned Redshirt Senior, Josh Harvey Clemens, and Chucky Williams. I think this is a team that's shot to win nine games. 
And I think that'll be enough to, like I said, to put them in the, um, you know, in the fight, basically, uh, to at least make the top 25. And then a team that I think has a chance right now, they they just missed for me, but has a chance to make their way into the top 25 is another ACC team. That's Virginia Tech. Uh, they obviously had 29 seasons with the same guy there, and now the the tape the the page has turned. They do retain Bud Foster in his 22nd year coaching in beautiful Blacksburg. The Golden Gobblers, the initial nickname of the team, that's why you see a turkey, uh, now they're known as the Hokies, which comes from the old hokey hokey high cheer that I've heard. But this is a team that certainly loses guys like Luther Maddie and Daddy Nicholas. Corey Marshall, gone. Ronnie Van Dyke, gone. Uh, there's a lot of new faces on the defense. Deion Clark, gone. Uh, Kendall Fuller. They do bring back Brandon Faison, uh, who hopefully will be 100% healthy this season. That would help them. They bring back as they afford an offense. Trey Edmonds on offense. Uh, Jerome Wright, not too many teams use a fullback, but they do have one. Uh, they bring back Cam Phillips uh, and I must say a forward. Bucky Hodges coming into his own should now essentially be the man at the tight end position. He is six five and a half and about 252 pounds in run, so we should see some special things from him. Along the line, they have uh, Eric Gallo returning at center. You'll see Tyrell Smith probably find some way to, to break in somewhere. Alston Smith and Wyatt Teller are guys who've got some playing experience, as does Jonathan McLaughlin, who's played some tackle for them in the past. I think he's probably better suited to playing guard. Uh, and then obviously they need, uh, frankly, better play from Brendan Motley, who is a 6'3", 228-pounder with arm strength and ability, but just has struggled in reading defenses, struggled to get the ball out of his hands on time and on target. So they face many, 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 many challenges. So much is expected. Well, actually not that much is expected, I guess, in the inaugural season of, of uh, their new coach. And, and in bringing over uh, – a talented, exciting uh, new coach coming over from all that success that he had at, at Tennessee and a guy with a really good reputation worth working with quarterbacks, we can certainly hope to see improvement in some areas. So some of the people they're expecting more things from. Uh, Andrew uh, Motopuka is someone they're expecting to continue to improve. Sean McKenzie, who had some legal trouble last year, uh, hoping for more from him. We'll see what that secondary looks like. That's, that'll be one of the big things. They usually have playmakers in their secondary. They have that tradition. Obviously, we'll see what that happens. Uh, Dwayne Lawson is another guy who's in the mix of the quarterback position. Uh, a fairly highly rated quarterback, a four-star, and they don't get a lot of four-stars. 
they basically the program built on guys between the two and three star area. Um, Austin Clark's another young guy I expect a lot. Uh, also, Yusuf Nimjin is another guy they expecting to, to make an impact this year. You know, so that's what where I am in terms of putting together my, uh, you know, my list, my group, my whatever for this. And I'll be finalizing it and I'll be posting it up on uh, Nuts and Bolts Sports probably tomorrow. I want to thank both Isaiah C. and Jim Coburn, and we'll do this again in one week. We have a Sunday special with Don and James tomorrow, so enjoy that. You know, so that's where we are. And so Donovan and I will be talking a little bit about some of the impact freshmen, uh, since obviously he's got a tremendous amount of knowledge about some of the highly ranked recruits that are coming into the uh, college football world. And we'll touch on some of his, uh, some of the things he's expecting as well from uh, maybe some of the maybe even less expected or less well-known freshmen. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.